Monday, it's a good day. Ben Dottie is dead. It's a good day. Now, that's the guy that was with ISIS and was putting people in cages and burning them alive. That's the guy that uh, had American captives and cut their heads off while they were alive in front of cameras. This is just one of the evilest SOBs that you could ask for. And look, if you're one of those really, really, really bleeding heart liberals that say, well, if you call him a crying, you know, dog, whining dog, then they're really going to come after us. Oh, what are they going to do? Cut your head off twice? I mean, come on. All I could hear when Trump was making his speech yesterday was Hillary going, oh, no. Baghdaddy! Baghdaddy! <laughs> Who's your Baghdaddy? Yeah, there you go. I don't know. Just saying. Just I'm just... Look, this is why I like Trump. He didn't get up there all somber-faced and everything and goes, you know, we killed one of the world's nastiest terrorists today. Blah, 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 blah. No, he got up there and said, hey, we got one of the nastiest terrorists today. And... We got that little B. Yeah, we did. We got him. Our people did good, and they did. Not one of our people got hurt. Not one. And a whole lot of them, plus that guy, got killed. And how did he kill himself? He blew himself up, and he killed some kids with him. There you go. That's a real hero, you Islamic. Okay, I'm not on. I'm Thank not, you. I'm not on. I'm not on uh, the Internet. <laughs> well, I am, but I'm also on the regular radio. I almost let fly what I really feel about that guy. And if you're a military man or a woman, I think you know exactly how what I'm talking about. Some well, of the stuff that he was responsible for is is disgusting. Well, yeah, remember, he killed thousands of people. But the 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 beheadings. Yes, walking through the desert in orange. Jumpsuits and burning people alive, dropping that Jordanian pilot in a in a metal cage and burning him alive, yeah. and then covering him in rubble and not just any rubble, but the rubble of the building that he supposedly bombed. Bombed. Yeah, I just I don't see any I don't see why anybody would feel bad that that guy's dead. Not me, not me. Earth's a better place without him on it. Just saying. And that's just the way I feel about it. Uh, you may have missed the president's speech about it. Let's get to it. We're going to play it for you in your in, for you in its entirety. And here's the president of the United States. Last night, the United States brought the world's number one terrorist leader to justice, Abu Bakar al Baghdadi, is dead. He was the founder and leader of ISIS the most ruthless and violent terror organization anywhere in the world. The United States has been searching for Baghdadi for many years. Capturing or killing Baghdadi has been the top national security priority of my administration. 
U.S. Special Operations Forces executed a dangerous and daring nighttime raid in northwestern Syria and accomplished their mission in grand style. The U.S. personnel were incredible. I got to watch much of it. No personnel were lost in the operation, while a large number of Baghdadi's fighters and companions were killed with him. He died after running into a dead-end tunnel, whimpering and crying and screaming all the way. The compound had been cleared by this time, with people either surrendering or being shot and killed. Eleven young children were moved out of the house and are uninjured. The only ones remaining were Baghdadi in the tunnel, and he had dragged three of his young children with him. They were led to certain death. He reached the end of the tunnel as our dogs chased him down. He ignited his vest, killing himself and the three children. His body was mutilated by the blast. The tunnel had caved in on it, in addition. But test results gave certain immediate and totally positive identification. It was him. The thug who tried so hard to intimidate others spent his last moments in utter fear, in total panic and dread, terrified of the American forces bearing down on him. We were in the compound for approximately two hours, and after the mission was accomplished, we took highly sensitive material and information from the raid, much having to do with ISIS, origins, future plans, things that we very much want. Baghdadi's demise demonstrates America's relentless pursuit of terrorist leaders and our commitment to the enduring and total defeat of ISIS and other terrorist organizations. Our reach is very long. As you know, last month we announced that we recently killed Hamza bin Laden, the very violent son of Osama bin Laden, who was saying very bad things about people, about our country, about the world. He was the heir apparent to al-Qaeda, terrorists who oppress and murder innocent people should never sleep soundly, knowing that we will completely destroy them. These savage monsters will not escape their fate, and they will not escape the final judgment of God. Baghdadi has been on the run for many years, long before I took office. But in my direction, as Commander-in-Chief of the United States, we obliterated his caliphate 100 percent in March of this year. Today's events are another reminder that we will continue to pursue the remaining ISIS terrorists to their brutal end. That also goes for other
terrorist organizations. They are likewise in our sights. Baghdadi and the losers who worked for him, and losers they are, they had no idea what they were getting into. In some cases, they were very frightened puppies. In other cases, they were hardcore killers. But they killed many, many people. Their murder of innocent Americans, James Foley, Stephen Sotloff, Peter Kasich, and Kayla Mueller were especially heinous. The shocking publicized murder of Jordanian pilot, a wonderful young man, spoke to the King of Jordan. They all knew him. They all loved him. He was burned alive in a cage for all to see on the execution of Christians in Libya and Egypt, as well as the genocidal mass murder of Yazidis, rank ISIS among the most depraved organizations, the history of our world, the forced religious conversions, the orange suits prior to so many beheadings, all of which were openly displayed for the world to see. This was all that Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, this is what he wanted. This is what he was proud of. He was a sick and depraved man, and now he's gone. Baghdadi was vicious and violent, and he died in a vicious and violent way as a coward running and crying. This raid was impeccable and could only have taken place with the acknowledgement and help of certain other nations and people. I want to thank the nations of Russia, Turkey, Syria, and Iraq, and I also want to thank the Syrian Kurds for certain support they were able to give us. This was a very, very dangerous mission. Thank you as well to the great intelligence professionals who helped make this very successful journey possible. I want to thank the soldiers and sailors, airmen and Marines involved in last night's operation. You are the very best there is anywhere in the world. No matter where you go, there is nobody even close. I want to thank General Mark Milley and our Joint Chiefs of Staff. And I also want to thank our professionals who work in other agencies of the United States government and were critical to the mission's unbelievable success. Last night was a great night for the United States and for the world. A brutal killer, one who has caused so much hardship and death, has violently been eliminated. He will never again harm another innocent man, woman, or child. He died like a dog. He died like a coward. The world is now a much safer place. God bless America. Thank you.
Turkey, we dealt with them. They know we were going in. Uh, we flew over some territory. Uh, they were terrific. No problem. They were not problem. You know, they could start shooting, and then we will take them out. But a lot of bad things can happen. Uh, plus, it was a very secret mission. We flew very, very low and very, very fast. But it was a big — it was a very dangerous part of the mission. Uh, getting in and getting out, too, equal. We went in identical uh, — we took an identical route. We met with gunfire coming in, uh, but it was local gunfire. That gunfire was immediately terminated. These people are amazing. They had the, the gunfire terminated immediately, meaning they were shot from the airships. I'm trying to understand the timing. Uh, you talked earlier, you know, several weeks about pulling troops out, you know, and then troops were put back in. And, you know, I'm trying to understand the timing of when this operation... Well, I, I tell you, from the first day I came to office, and now we're getting close to three years, I would say, where's al-Baghdadi? I want al-Baghdadi. And we would kill terrorist leaders, but they were names I never heard of. They were names that weren't recognizable, and they weren't the big names. Some good ones, some important ones, but they weren't the big names. I kept saying, where's al-Baghdadi? And a couple of weeks ago, they were able to scope him out. You know, these people are very smart. They're not into the use of cell phones anymore. They're not. They're very technically brilliant. You know, they use the Internet better than almost anybody in the world, perhaps other than Donald Trump. But they use the Internet incredibly well. And what they've done with the Internet through recruiting and everything, and that's why he died like a dog. He died like a coward. He was whimpering, screaming, and crying. And frankly, I think it's something that should be brought out so that his followers and all of these young kids that want to leave various countries, including the United States, they should see how he died. He didn't die a hero. He died a coward, crying, whimpering, screaming, and bringing three kids with him to die. A certain death. And he knew the tunnel had no end. I mean, it was a, uh, it was a closed, closed end. They call it a closed end tunnel. Not a good place to be. So this was going on before you made the announcement that you're I've been looking for him for three years. I've been looking for him. I started getting some very positive feedback about a month ago. And uh, we had some incredible intelligence officials that did a great job. That's what they should be focused on. And about what time did this operation start yesterday, sir? And, and did you notify Well, this operation started two weeks ago in terms of the real operation because we had him scoped. Uh, we thought he'd be in a certain location. He was. Things started checking out very well. Uh, we were involved in, on our own team with some brilliant people who I've gotten to know, brilliant people that love our country, highly intelligent people. And uh, we, uh, we've had it uh, pretty well scoped out for a couple of weeks. But he tends to change immediately. He had a lot of cash. He tends to change, like, on a dime, where he'll be going to a certain location. All of a sudden, he'll go someplace else, and you'll have to cancel. But this was one where we knew he was there. And you can never be 100 percent sure, because you're basing it on technology more than anything else. But we thought he was there. 
And then we got a confirmation. And when we went in, uh, they were greeted with a lot of firepower. A lot of firepower. I'll tell you, these guys, they do a job. They are so brave and so good. And so importantly, many of his people were killed. Um, and we'll announce the exact number over the next uh, 24 hours. But many were killed. Uh, we lost nobody. Think of that. It's incredible. And when, you, when you told the Russians, you requested... Our dog was hurt, actually. The, the canine was uh, hurt, went into the tunnel. But we lost nobody. You requested uh, to the Russians to fly over this area they controlled. What did you tell them? We spoke them? to the Russians. What did you tell them? We told them we're coming in. And they said, thank you for telling us. They were very good. But did you tell them why? No. You know. No, uh, they did not know why. Was any other people? Uh, we did tell them, we think you're going to be very happy. Because, you know, again, they hate ISIS as much as we do. You know what ISIS has done to Russia. So, uh, no, we did not tell. They did not know the mission. But they knew we were going over an area that they had, uh, they had a lot of firepower. Have you notified the congressional leaders about this policy? Uh, we've notified some. Others are being notified now as I speak. Uh, we were going to notify them last night, but we decided not to do that because Washington leaks like I've never seen before. There's nothing — there's no country in the world that leaks like we do. And Washington is a leaking machine. And I told my people we will not notify them until uh, the — our great — People are out, not just in, but out. I don't want to have them greeted with uh, firepower like you wouldn't believe. So we were able to get in. It was top secret. It was kept. There were no leaks, no nothing. The only people that knew were the few people that I dealt with. And again, Mark Milley and the Joint Chiefs of Staff were incredible. Uh, we had some tremendous backup. Robert O'Brien, Secretary Esper. Secretary Pompeo, Pence, I told you, he was great. We, this is a very small group of people that knew about this. We had very, very few people. We, a, leak, a leak could have caused the death of all of them. Now, they're so good that I think nothing was going to stop them anyway. You want to know the truth. That's how good they were. We had them also surrounded by massive uh, air power up in the air yesterday, surrounded at very high levels. We were very low. Uh, we had tremendous air power. And, and you watched all this from the sit room? Who, who were you with in the sit room when you watched this? Uh, Secretary uh, Esper, a few of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley, uh, some generals. We had some very great uh, military people in that room. And we had some great intelligence people. Robert O'Brien. It's really good. Was, yes. Was the pullout of the U.S. troops in Syria last month strategically tied in was, with this raid? Was no, it, no, the pullout. Right. Sure. It's a great question. And you're doing a great job, by the way. Your network is fantastic. They're really doing a great job. Please let them know. Um, no, the, the pullout had nothing to do with this. In fact, uh, we found this out at a similar time. It's a very good question because we found this out at a similar time. No, we're after these leaders. And we have others in sight, very bad ones. But this was the big one. This is the biggest one, uh, perhaps, uh, that we've ever captured, because this is the one that built ISIS and beyond and was looking to rebuild it again.
very, very strongly looking to build it again. That's why he went to this province. This is why he went to this area. You know, a lot of people I was watching uh, this morning and hearing, and they said, why was he there? People were so surprised. Well, that's where he was trying to rebuild from, because that was the place that made most sense, if you're looking to rebuild. Yeah. You said uh, your tweet last night. At what moment did you decide to send that? So I said that right after I knew they had landed safely. When they had returned. And that was to notify you guys that you have something big this morning so you wouldn't be out playing golf or tennis or or otherwise being indisposed. Where were they safe? Where did they they land it? I'd rather not say. But we landed in a very friendly port in a friendly country. Um, give you any pause about your decision to withdraw? No, I think it's great. Look, we don't want to keep soldiers between Syria and Turkey for the next 200 years. They've been fighting for hundreds of years. We're out. But we are leaving soldiers to secure the oil. Now, we may have to fight for the oil. That's okay. Maybe somebody else wants the oil, in which case they have a hell of a fight. But there's massive amounts of oil. And we're securing it for a couple of reasons. Number one, it stops ISIS, because ISIS got tremendous wealth from that oil. We have taken it. It's secured. Number two, and again, somebody else may claim it, but either we'll negotiate a deal with whoever's claiming it, if we think it's fair, or we will militarily stop them very quickly. We have tremendous power in that part of the world. We have, uh, you know, the airport is right nearby are very big, very monstrous, very, uh, very powerful airport and very expensive airport that was built years ago. We're in there for, we're in that Middle East now for $8 trillion. So we don't want to be keeping Syria and Turkey. They're going to have to make their own decision. The Kurds have worked along incredibly with us. But in all fairness, it was much easier dealing with the Kurds after they went through three days of fighting because that was a brutal three days. All right, so uh, let's get back and uh, hear more from the president as he talks to the press now after the uh, speech that he gave talking about the the uh, death of the ISIS leader, uh, El-Baghdadi, and uh, getting him. And uh, I just was reading a story saying that the uh, number two uh, guy that was supposed to take his place if he died was killed last night as well by U.S. forces. So here's the president. Turkey has lost thousands and thousands of people from that safe zone. So they've always wanted that safe zone for many years. I'm glad I was able to help them get it. But we don't want to be there. We want to be home. I want our soldiers home or fighting something that's meaningful. I'll tell you who loves us being there. Russia and China. Because while they build their military, we're depleting our military there. So Russia loves us being there. Now, Russia likes us being there for two reasons. Because we kill ISIS, we kill terrorists, and they're very close to Russia. We're 8,000 miles away. Now, maybe they can get here, but we've done very well with Homeland Security and the ban, which, by the way, is approved by the United States Supreme Court, as you know. You know, there was a reporter that said we lost a case, and he was right in the early court. He refused. He didn't want to say, just refused to say that we won the case in the Supreme Court. So, you know, but we have a very effective ban and it's very hard for people to come to our country, but it's many thousands of miles away. Whereas Russia's right there. Turkey's right there. Syria is there. 
They're all right there. Excuse me. Iran is right there. Iraq is right there. They all hate ISIS. So we don't, you know, in theory, they should do something. And I'll give you something else. The European nations have been a tremendous disappointment. Because I personally called, but my people called a lot. Take your ISIS fighters. And they didn't want them. They said, we don't want them. They came from France. They came from Germany. They came from the U.K. They came from a lot of countries. And I actually said to them, you don't take them. I'm going to drop them right on your border. And you can have fun capturing them again. But the United States taxpayer is not going to pay for the next 50 years. You see what Guantanamo costs. We're not going to pay tens of billions of dollars because we were good enough to capture people that want to go back to Germany, France, UK, and other parts of Europe. And they can walk back. They can't walk to our country. We have lots of water in between our country and them. So, yeah, go. You, you mentioned that you'd met some, gotten to know some brilliant people along this process who had helped uh, provide information and, 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 and advice along the way. Is there anyone in particular, or would you like to give anyone credit for uh, getting to this point today? Well, I, I would, but if I mention one, I have to mention so many. I spoke to Senator Richard Burr this morning, and as you know, he's very involved with intelligence and the committee, and he's a great gentleman. Uh, I spoke with Lindsey Graham just a little while ago. In fact, Lindsey Graham is right over here. And he's been very much involved in the subject. And he's, uh, he's a very strong hawk. But I think Lindsey agrees with what we're doing now. And uh, again, there are plenty of other countries that can help them patrol. I don't want to leave 1,000 or 2,000 or 3,000 soldiers on the border. But where Lindsey and I totally agree is the oil. The oil is, uh, you know, so valuable for many reasons. It fueled ISIS, number one. Number two, it helps the Kurds because it's basically been taken away from the Kurds. They were able to live with that oil. And number three, it can help us because we should be able to take some also. And what I intend to do, perhaps, is make a deal with an ExxonMobil or one of our great companies to go in there and do it properly. Right now, it's not big. It's big oil underground, but it's not big oil up top. Much of the machinery has been shot and dead. It's been through wars but uh, and, and spread out the wealth. But no, we're protecting the oil. We're securing the oil. Now, that doesn't mean we don't make a deal at some point. But I don't want to be they're, — they're fighting for a thousand years. They're fighting for centuries. I want to bring our soldiers back home, but I do want to secure the oil. If you read about the history of Donald Trump, I was a civilian. I had absolutely nothing to do with going into Iraq, and I was totally against it. But I always used to say, if they're going to go in, nobody cared that much, but it got written about. If they're going to go in, I'm sure you've heard the statement, because I met him when any human being alive. If they're going into Iraq, keep the oil. They never did. They never did. I know Lindsey Graham had a bill where basically we would have been paid back for all of the billions of dollars that we've spent. Many, many billions of dollars. I mean, I hate to say it. It's actually trillions of dollars, but many, many billions of dollars. And uh, by one vote, they were unable to get that approved in the Senate. They had some pretty big opposition from people that shouldn't have opposed, like a president. And they weren't able. If you did that, Iraq would be a much different story today because they would be owing us a lot of money.
they would be treating us much differently. But I will say Iraq was very good with respect to the raid last night. Sir, just to pin down the timing a little bit better here, you got back to the White House around 4.30 yesterday afternoon. Did you immediately go to the Situation Room? Well, I knew all about this for three days. Yes, sir. Yeah, we, we thought for three days this is what was going to happen. It was actually, look, nobody was even hurt. Our canine, as they call, I call it a dog, a beautiful dog, a talented dog, was injured and brought back. But uh, we had no soldier injured. And they did a lot of shooting, and they did a lot of blasting, even not going through the front door. You know, you think you go through the door. If you're a normal person, you say, knock, knock, may I come in? Uh, the fact is that they blasted their way into uh, the house in a very heavy wall, and it took them literally seconds. By the time those things went off, they had a beautiful big hole, and they ran in, and they got everybody by surprise. Unbe unbelievably brilliant as fighters. I don't. I can't imagine there could be anybody better. And these, as you know, are our top operations people. Baghdadi apparently had been in bad health for some time. Was there any indication of that? Or that well, we don't know that, but he was the last one out, and his people had either been killed, which there were many, or gave up and came out. Uh, because with the 11 children that came out, we were able to do that. Uh, we don't know if they were his children. They might have been. But as I said, three died in the tunnel. And the tunnel collapsed with the explosion. But, but you had other fighters coming out also, and they're being brought back. Uh, they're being, they're, right now, uh, we have them imprisoned. I was going to ask whose children they were, but do you remember what time you went into the Situation Room? Well, I started at 5 o'clock. We were pretty much gathered at 5 o'clock yesterday. Uh, we were in contact all day long through... Uh, hopefully secure phones. I'll let you know tomorrow. But nothing seemed to leak, so I guess they were secure for a change. Uh, but uh, we gathered more or less at 5. Uh, the attack started moments after that. The, the liftoff started moments after that. Again, the, the element of attack that they were most afraid of was getting from our base into that compound because this tremendous firepower that we were, you know, flying over. Uh, and I won't go into it, but you had a very big Russian presence in one area. You had a Turkish presence. You had a Syrian presence. And you're flying low. It's very dangerous. And there were shots made, but we think these were people that were shooting that were indiscriminately shooting. The helicopters took some shots, but we think that these were people that were just random people that don't like to see helicopters, I guess. So that's another part of, of the genius of these people. They brought his, they have his DNA, more of it than they want even. And they brought it with them with lab technicians who were with them. And they assumed that this was Baghdadi. They thought visually it was him, uh, but they assumed it was him. And uh, they did a site, an on-site test. They got samples. And to get to his body, they had to remove a lot of debris because the tunnel had collapsed. But these people are very good at that. And, uh, and they, as I said, they brought body parts back with them, et cetera, et cetera. There wasn't much left. The, uh, 
the uh, the vest blew up, but uh, there are still substantial pieces that they brought back. So they did an on-site test because we had to know this. And it was uh, a very quick call that took place about 15 minutes after he was killed, and it was positive. It was it's, — this is a confirmation, sir. There was also a report that his wife had detonated — or one of his wives had detonated a vessel. So there were two women. There were two women, uh, both wives, both wearing vests. They had not detonated. But the fact that they were dead and they had vests on made it very difficult for our men, because they had vests on. And it made it very difficult for our men, uh, because you never know what's going to happen. They are lying. They're dead. They never detonated. But they were dead. On uh, the successor, the possible successors, have you been briefed on who? Yeah, we know the successors. And we've already got them in our sights. And we'll tell you uh, that right now. But we know the successors. Uh, Hamza bin Laden was a big thing, but this is the biggest there is. This is uh, the worst ever. Uh, Osama bin Laden was very big, but Osama bin Laden became big with the World Trade Center. This is a man who built a whole, uh, as he would like to call it, a country, a caliphate, uh, and was trying to do it again. And uh, I had not heard too much about his health. I've heard stories about he may not have been in good health, but he died, a, a, he died in a, a ruthless, a vicious manner, that I can Were tell you. Taken, sir? Were any adults taken? Yes, we have uh, people that were taken. Uh, we have uh, many of the people died on the site, but we have people that were taken, yes. And, and the children, uh, we are — we left them under care of somebody that we understand. Many, or do you believe that Eleven children. All, Eleven children. How many adults? Uh, I'd rather not say. I'd leave that to the generals. But a, a small group. Uh, more dead than alive. Which operations teams were involved? Which, which special operations teams were involved? Uh, many of them. And at the top level. And people that were truly incredible at their craft. I've never seen anything like it. Were there, as far as partnerships goes, were there any other uh, forces involved, or was this only American troops? No, in this only region? American forces. Did, was, did the U.S. only rely? American forces? But we were given great cooperation. Did the U.S. rely? We on told the Russians were coming in because we had to go over them, and they were curious. But but uh, we said we're coming. Or, uh, and we said one way or the other. Hey, you look, we're coming. But they were very cooperative. They really were good. And, you, and, and we did say it would be a mission that they'd like, too, because, you know, again, they hate ISIS as much as we do. Sure, and then for uh, intel purposes, was there, any, was there any foreign intel that proved useful along the way uh, in this operation? So we had uh, our own intel. We got very little help. We didn't need very much help. We have some incredible people. When we use our intelligence correctly, what we can do is incredible. When we waste our time with intelligence that hurts our country because we had poor leadership at the top, that's not good. But I've gotten to know many of the intel people, and I will say that they are spectacular. Now, they're not going to want to talk about it. They want to keep it quiet, the last thing they want, because these are, these are great patriots. But the people that I've been dealing with are incredible people, uh, and it, it's really a deserving name, intelligence. I've dealt with some people that aren't very intelligent, 
having to do with Intel. But this is the top people, and it, it was incredible. It was flawless, and it was very complicated. But so I do appreciate Russia, Turkey, Iraq, and Syria to an extent, because, uh, you know, we're flying into Syria. There are a lot of Syrian people with lots of guns. So we had uh, good cover for probably the most dangerous part. It would not sound to, you know, when you fly in, it doesn't sound like that would be the most dangerous when you're going into shooting nests and all of the things that happened once they broke into that pretty powerful compound. That was a very strong compound. And as I said, had tunnels. But the most dangerous part, we had great cooperation with. Yes, ma'am. Did you inform Speaker Pelosi ahead of time? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do that. I wanted to make sure this kept secret. I don't want to have men lost and women. Uh, I don't want to have people lost. Do you anticipate um, inviting the special forces teams to the White House? After oh yeah, this? they'll be invited. I don't know if they'll want to have their faces shown. To be honest with you, you know, they want to. They're incredible for the country. They're not looking for public relations, but uh, they love doing what they're doing. I've seen it. First Lady was out there recently looking at what they do. She came back. She said, wow, I've never seen anything like that. The training, you know, all of the training and and the power of the people, uh, the men and women, the strength, the physical strength, the mental strength. These are incredible people. These are very unique individuals. You mentioned whimpering. Could you hear that on your video hookup? Mentioned the whimpering of uh, Baghdadi. Uh, I don't want to talk about it, but... uh, he was screaming, crying, and whimpering. Uh, and he was scared out of his mind. And think of James Foley. Think of Kayla. Think of the things he did to Kayla. What he did to Foley and so many others. And for those people that say, oh, isn't this a little violent? Think of how many times have you seen men I think in all cases, men, for the most part, but in terms of this, where you see the orange suits and you see the ocean and they're beheaded. Or how many of you got to see, because it was out there, the Jordanian pilot whose plane went down, they captured him, they put him in a cage and they set him on fire. And the king of Jordan actually attacked very powerfully when that happened. They've never seen a thing like that. But he set him on fire. This was al-Baghdadi. And uh, you should never, ever hopefully see a thing like that again. Now, uh, there'll be new people emerge, but this was the worst of, of this particular world. This was the worst. Probably, in certain ways, the smartest. He was also a coward. And he didn't want to die. But think of it. Everybody was out. And we were able to search him down and find him in the tunnel. We knew the tunnel existed, and that's where he was. And you've taken a lot of heat for this, the Syria pullout. Do you think this will change the, the standing, your standing? Well, I don't have a Syria pullout. I just don't want to guard Turkey and Syria for the rest of our lives. I mean, I don't want to do it. It's very expensive. It's very dangerous. They've been fighting for centuries. I don't want to have my people, 2,000 men and women, or 1,000, or 28. We had 28 guards. I said, I don't want them there anyway. I don't want them. Now, I will secure the oil. That happens to be in a certain part. But that's tremendous money involved. I would love to, you know, the oil in, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a story in Iraq. 
So they spent — President Bush went in. I strongly disagreed with it, even though uh, it wasn't my expertise at the time, but I had a — I have a very good instinct about things. They went in, and I said, that's a tremendous mistake. And there were no weapons of mass destruction. It turned out I was right. I, w I was right for other reasons, but it turned out, on top of everything else, they had no weapons of mass destruction, because that would be a reason to go in. But they had none. But I heard recently that Iraq, over the last number of years, actually discriminates against America in oil leases. In other words, some oil companies from other countries, after all we've done, uh, have an advantage in Iraq for the oil. I said, keep the oil. Give them what they need. Keep the oil. Why should we — we go in, we lose thousands of lives, spend trillions of dollars, and our companies don't even have an advantage in getting the oil leases. So I just tell you that story. That's what I heard. Haskell play a role in this? Can you talk a little bit about that? And I saw your NSC counterterrorism director out in the hallway. Was there a role with NSC yes. counterterrorism? Yes. Everybody. Gina was great. Everybody played a role. And just just a, Joe just was great. Gina was great. They were all great. Just to follow up, did, did your Syria pull out, did that generate the intelligence that led to this operation? No. Uh, we were looking at this. Look, as I said, Steve, I've been looking at this. I'm here almost three years. I've been looking at this for three years. They'd come in, sir, we have somebody under. I said, I don't want somebody. I want al-Baghdadi. That's the one I want. They'd say, well, we have somebody else. I said, that's great. Fine. Take them out. But I want al-Baghdadi. That's who I want. I don't want other people. And then I also wanted Hamza bin Laden, because he's a young man, around 30, looks just like his father, tall, very handsome. And he was talking bad things, just like his father. You know, if you read my book, there was a book just before the World Trade Center came down. And I don't get any credit for this, but that's okay. I never do. But here we are. Um, I wrote a book, a really very successful book. And in that book, about a year before the World Trade Center was blown up, I said, there is somebody named Osama bin Laden. You better kill him or take him out. Something to that effect. He's big trouble. Now, I wasn't in government. I was building buildings and doing what I did. But I always found it fascinating. But I saw this man, tall, handsome, very charismatic, making horrible statements about wanting to destroy our country. And I'm writing a book. I think I wrote 12 books. All did very well. And I'm writing a book. World Trade Center had not come down. I think it was about, if you check, it was about a year before the World Trade Center came down. And I'm saying to people, take out Osama bin Laden, that nobody ever heard of. Nobody ever heard of. I mean, al-Baghdadi, everybody hears because he's built this monster for a long time. But nobody ever heard of Osama bin Laden until, really, the World Trade Center. But about a year, you'll have to check it, a year, year and a half before the World Trade Center came around, the book came out. I was talking about Osama bin Laden. I said, you have to kill him. You have to take him out. Nobody listened to me. And 
To this day, I get people coming up to me. They said, you know what? One of the most amazing things I've ever seen about you is that you predicted that Osama bin Laden had to be killed before he knocked down the World Trade Center. It's true. Now, most of the press doesn't want to write that, but, you know, but it is true. If you go back, look at my book. I think it was the America we deserve. Uh, I, I made a prediction, and I, I — let's put it this way. If they would have listened to me, uh, a lot of things would have been different. Sure. Can you talk about some of the difficult decisions you had along the way here uh, in this operation? Anything that weighed on you or that you had to — Well, just death. I mean, you know, I'm sending a large number of brilliant fighters. These are the greatest fighters in the world. Uh, I'd rather let the generals tell you, but a large number. We had eight helicopters, and we had many other ships and planes. Uh, it was a large group. And again, this is a large group heading over very, very strong firepower areas where that was decision one. Will they make it? And they made it. Uh, but they took fire, but they made it. They didn't take — we don't believe, again, it was nation fire. We believe it was individual group fire or gang fire, as they call it. So they made it. Uh, so that was a big relief. Then they went in. They blasted their way in. You've heard. They blasted their way in so quickly. It was incredible, because this building was pr quite powerful, strong. They blasted their way in, and then uh, all hell broke loose. It's incredible that nobody was killed or hurt. We had nobody even hurt. And that's why the dog was so great. We actually had a robot to go in the tunnel, but we didn't get it because we were tracking him very closely. But we had a robot just in case, because we were afraid he had a suicide vest on. And if you get close to him and he blows it up, you're going to die. You're going to die. He had a very powerful suicide vest. Making decisions in the moment while troops are on the ground. No, they had it just incredible. We were getting full reports on literally a minute-by-minute -minute basis. Sir, we just broke in. Sir, the wall is down. Sir, you know, we've captured. Sir, two people are coming out right now. Hands up, fighters. Uh, then the, the 11 children. Then uh, it turned out they, they gave us a report. Sir, there's only one person in the building. We are sure he's in the tunnel trying to escape. But it's a dead-end tunnel. And it was brutal, but it was over. And as I said, when he blew himself up, the tunnel collapsed on top of him, on top of everything. And his children. I mean, so he led his three children to death. So... You know, thank you all very much. I appreciate it. Very great day for our country. Let's get back now. Hope you enjoyed being able to hear the whole uh, press conference after the president's uh, announcement that we got the number one ISIS leader 
uh, at that moment wasn't known that the number two ISIS guy was also killed in another raid. So that's all good, good news. Good news for the Middle East. As uh, the president said at the end, does that mean that, you know, we're done fighting terrorism? Absolutely not. You're just giving them, uh, you know, a hiccup, a bump in the road, something they got to slow down. And uh, we got our troops in. We're going to protect that oil over there in Syria, keep that from falling into the hands of any other group like ISIS and giving them unfettered, uh, you know, American dollars or whatever to, you know, fund a group like ISIS. And ISIS was just a terrible group. Uh, You know it. I know it. The world knows it. And for Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff to act like, oh, my my feelings are hurt because you didn't tell me about this. Well, why would anybody tell you guys any? In fact, why would you tell anybody in Congress anything with as many leaks as comes out of Congress? I mean, we're talking about men and women's lives here that were going into action in a serious, serious, uh, you know, fight. And the last you want to happen is somebody gets killed because somebody's got loose lips or somebody's trying to, you know, gain some um, extra points with some media asset that they have. Now, I think the president is just right. I, as you listen to his, to his press conference, what I liked that he did, when questions were asked, that I think that he felt were sensitive. He said, I'll let the generals answer that. You go ask the generals that question. You let them answer those questions. Like, you know, how many, you know, different groups were involved? Because there's there's different, you know, teams. Uh, You know, how big of a purple suit, so to speak, operation was it? You know, if the Air Force was involved, which evidently there was. There's some air power involved. Who were they? They're not saying yet. He said Navy, if you know what he he was talking. Well, we're talking probably SEALs. Which ones were there? Not saying. When they asked him if he was going to invite these guys and gals to the Oval Office, he said, oh, they'll be invited. I don't know or if they'll, you know, accept and come. Because they're not in this for accolades. I can tell you that right now. You you, you go out and, and talk with uh, some military men and women who have had to go into areas uh, that are dangerous, that they're going to fight. And I can tell you what, they don't go in to win a medal or something. They go in to do their job and to do what's necessary for our national interest as United States of America. When I, when I was in the military, we didn't think about, you know, going out and, and uh, getting a, a medal or whatever. That wasn't the key. That was not the key. You did your job and you did it to the best of your ability so that uh, whatever part of the mission that you were supporting or that you were part of got done. That's what makes our military great. It really is. And that's what makes our special forces great. They are the best of the rest. It's the way I used to put it on Air Force now when I went out to do stories of them. 
There is the rest of the military, and there is the special forces. They're a special breed. I'm just telling you, they're a special breed. And they showed that uh, last night in going in and getting this terrorist. They did the job, and they did it well. So Pelosi and Schiff, shut your pie hole. I don't want to listen to it. I don't want to hear it. Don't even try to politicize it. And you, and if you want to say, hey, you know, you should be telling us, you told the Russians. You know what we told the Russians? You heard if you listened to the press conference, we told the Russian, Russians we're coming in. We didn't even tell them why. The president says you'll be happy when it's over with. But they didn't tell them why. Didn't tell the Turks why. They wanted to fly over and airspace that you know the turks had some uh, people on the ground the russians had some people on the ground you want to make sure they don't shoot at you i liked what the president said yeah they didn't shoot at us if they had we would have wiped them out <laughs> I, I gotta tell you i like this president i really do i like him i like that he pointed out to everybody for everybody to know that this guy was a sniveling, crying little baby, knew that our men were closing in on him. His life was going to come to an end. And and he was scared. He was a coward. How big of a coward? Well, he blew himself up and three of his kids. Now, you tell me that's not a coward. He was hiding behind his own children. That is in my book, one of the biggest indications of a coward. Best thing that Pelosi and any Republican or Schiff or anybody else, I'm surprised Schumer hasn't said anything. Bottom line, that you just say, good job. Be happy. You got this guy. And like if you've been listening, you know that, as I was telling you, that not only did they get him, they got the number two guy, too. Now, he wasn't there. He's at another place that they, at- that they attacked, and they got him. So they got number one and number two. Not to mention they got all of the the, the uh, uh, laptops, so they got all kinds of, of uh, intelligence that they can use. I'm just, they've set ISIS back. ISIS may never recover from this. To be honest, you know, you said they got the number one and the number two. If you ask me, they're all number two. (laughs) Yeah, they are. (laughs) And that's the truth. Man, that's pretty good. Zach Zach thinks that's a little cheeky. You came on, man. That's pretty good. You brought that up quick. (laughs) Good job. But you're right. They are number two. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I can't say enough about our special forces. Those dudes are the real deal. If you looked how, if you ever get the opportunity, to go on a base and brag or whatever and see how these guys train if uh, if if you're allowed to if you if you happen to know one of them or whatever and they can get you in so you can see you will be stunned at what they do you'll be stunned at what they can do they're just amazing they're amazing people our whole military made up of good and amazing people for the most part, I'm sure there's some bad apples in there, but not not that many. Not that many. Good to have you here, Robert. Always my pleasure, my I'm friend. just telling you, man. I'm I am proud. And I'm proud of our president that he looks at, at the at the uh 
uh, the news media and said, uh, we got that SOB. Absolutely. You know, he's, he was a bad, bad guy. There's nothing good you can say about somebody who burns people alive in cages and cuts people's heads off. Well, unless you're the Washington Post. Not, but because, yeah. Because then he's an austere cleric. Yeah, isn't that yeah, the, an austere Hannity got that one right, yeah. for sure. Well, and, and, and then they, they, of course, they changed that headline. For those of you that don't know, they came out, the Washington Post came out with an ordinary headline. Then they changed, and they called him a terrorist. Then they changed it to uh, that the U.S. killed this austere cleric, which means, you know, someone who is uh, sort of not. A really religious guy. That's right. Not devoted to materialism. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, and then they got called out on it, and then they changed it back. Uh, or they changed it to a third version, which was fine, and they apologized, which is good, and they said it should have never read that way. Well, well how did it get that yeah, way? It, that, that Indeed, that's the first question. And secondly, it's not that it read that way. It should have never been written that mm-hmm. way. And this is a kind of passive voice, uh, tree-hugging, granola-eating language that the leftists adopt when they're never willing to say that they made a mistake. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Okay, because it should have never been read that way. It should have never been written that way. And which one of your leftist editors wrote it that way? Tell us. That's a news story. And then the next morning, by the way, or that morning, Sunday morning, I'm watching the Sunday morning shows as I want to do. And Jake Tapper, who I used to think was at least marginally a real journalist. Mistake. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. And a buddy of mine in Arkansas knows Jake Tapper, and he says, oh, he's a good guy. Well, he may be a good guy, but he's a lousy journalist. Did he bowl 300 or something? (laughs) Right. Uh, So he, uh, first he starts complaining. Well, you know, when when Osama bin Laden was killed, uh, Obama uh, announced it that evening. Uh, Okay. By the way, I have no idea what the difference in time was between the killing of bin Laden and the announcement versus the killing of uh, al what's this guy's name? Baghdadi, Baghdadi. right? Uh, uh, and and the announcement, but somehow, oh, so that's uh, you're now dictating the president's schedule. Yeah, time it's, schedule. It's not fast enough for you. It gets even worse. So they're waiting for the president to come on in the morning. It was scheduled for 9 o'clock. He mm-hmm. came, in a, came on about a quarter after or 20 after, give or take. And all along, Tapper's complaining. Well, he's late. Oh, I'm sorry. Mr. He, did he say that about Clinton? He said it about, about Trump. I know that. But I mean, oh, said, did he say that right, ever about Clinton? Right, exactly. Really? Clinton, every, that was a running joke, Clinton's of course, time. Of course. And, and here, General, well, you know, he's doing it to cut into our show. Yeah, Jake, you know what? The whole world doesn't revolve around your mediocre Sunday morning television shows. Oh, my gosh. These people are so narcissistic. They claim Trump is narcissistic. And by the way, I think every president and every sort of high-level elected official has some of that. You have to be, yeah. right? But is that not the pot calling the kettle black? Hello? Hello? It's remarkable. These people don't even see what they're doing anymore. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm you go ahead and keep talking. You're doing good. Well, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I've got it all pent up. I when was the last time I was on? I, I had it's missed last weeks, week. Bro. Right, exactly. But uh then I was watching um Bill Maher. 
which is challenging to do, but he's right on a lot of the First Amendment issues. Unfortunately, it's about 2% of what he talks about. I want to see what he says about Baghdadi. Yeah, that'd be interesting. And so he's got uh, your buddy um, Chris Cuomo on the show. Oh, yeah, that's my buddy. Yeah, I know it, right? (laughs) Folks, if you couldn't tell, that was just a little dose of sarcasm for you out in radio. It was a huge dose of sarcasm. And he looks right at Chris Cuomo and says, hey, Chris, just so you know, I'm I'm paraphrasing, of course. Mm -hmm. He goes, "Uh, calling you Fredo is (laughs) is." is not a racial slur. Sorry. He said, it's not nice, but Fredo means the dumb brother. That's what it means. And you can run around and call it a racial slur. It's just not that. Kudos to Bill Maher, right? Because that's what the left does, right? It's all this make-believe identity politics and race baby. You just helped everybody understand the Godfather better. That's right. That's right. I mean, the guy, Fredo was... The uh, dumb brother. Th- was literally the dumb brother. And what was the name of um, this, the main character, um, the, the character's name? Yeah. Do, do you remember, uh, Zach, the, the main character who was... Um, the son. Yeah, the son. The number two uh, son. Right. Not James Conn was the oldest. Right. James Conn's the oldest. And what's the name of the, of course, very well-known actor who played the number two son? See, Pacino. Uh, Pacino, right. So Pacino is the star of the movie. And he's great. He sends Fredo out to Vegas because Fredo's just basically a mess up, uh, to, to modify the term <laughs> yeah. slightly, right? Yeah. And Fredo sort of gets in tight with some local mobster there, I think by the name of Green. I'm not Mo sure. Mo Green. Mo Green, there you go. And so. Who got shot in the eye at the end. That's right. Sorry, spoiler. A spoiler. Uh, th- <laughs> uh, what is it, a 50 year old movie? Yeah. Spoiler. Um, and uh, um, so when, um, again, Pacino. Uh, Zach, what's the name already? Huh? He's looking He's it looking up. He's looking it up. Yeah. Right? Um, so when um, Pacino goes out, Mo Green sort of defend. excuse me, uh, Fredo, the dumb brother, is. is in this discussion between um, Al Pacino and Mo Green, and Fredo sort of defending Mo Green. Mistake. Right. And so Pacino says later to Fredo. Never say anything against the family. Don't take sides against the family. Yeah. Right? That was a great scene. So he tells him, don't take sides against the family, and Fredo sort of goes off, I could do it. I'm smart enough. Yeah. Ma knows I'm smart enough. I could do it. And finally, uh, Pacino comes to the realization that Fredo's a problem in terms of the mafia organization. Well, right, set his dad up to be killed. Oh, I forgot that part. Is that yeah. right? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, and so That's why he ended up dead? Why? Uh, what was the guy's name? The squat guy took him out in the rowboat and shot him. Yeah, I forget the name of the of the who, yeah. right. But and, but Pacino orders it. So Pacino orders That's right. the killing of his brother. Yep. Uh, and that's the story of Fredo. Because he stood against the family. That's right. Now, of course, the family in the movie is Italian. Yep. But calling someone a Fredo is not an anti-Italian slur. Sorry. No. Sorry. Yeah. By the way, there are plenty of anti-Italian, as there are for any group, slurs. There are plenty of words that one can use as a slur. So it's not like there's a dearth of them. But no, no, no. A thin-skinned Slightly juiced up, uh, Chris Cuomo <laughs> decided. Look at that guy. Tell me that guy's not juiced up. I got right? you. I got you. <laughs> uh, apple juice. I'm talking about right, yeah. Zach? 
juice, apple juice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Apple Strong juice. apple yeah. juice. Yeah, Strong apple juice. Uh, uh, he's uh, he's all, he takes offense. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a that's an anti-Italian slur, and I take offense. And by the way, Bill Maher said you're entitled to take offense. You can take offense at anything you want. Yeah. Just don't ask me to babysit you. Oh, Here's a cupcake. It. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, that that's when you love Bill Maher. That's right, because because he is correct on the First Amendment stuff. By the way, I don't even gets real wobbly on the Second Amendment. That's right. Although he owns a gun. Yeah, I know. That's the the hypocrisy of the left. And I don't care that Bill Maher is against President Trump, by the way. People are allowed not to like President Trump. That's not so I don't now I don't agree with him. Let me just be clear. don't be a crazy dislike of right. President right. Trump. And where he was smart, Bill Maher was dur- during the last election, presidential that is, he said, Folks, you guys think it's a slam dunk for Hillary. I'm telling you, it's not. Yeah. And he was one of the few voices saying that. And of course, he was quite right. There were many Republicans such as us that said that. We we always said it's not a slam dunk. Yeah. You even more than I were convinced that Trump would win. I said I think there was a chance, but I thought the I thought there was an open question how many hidden voters there were, and it was answered in the affirmative. Of course, you know people who are unwilling to admit that they were Trump supporters, and we knew there was a fair share of them, just not how big. All right, Robert Steinbach is here today. It's good to have him back in the studio. His opinions are his and his alone, not necessarily those of UALR or the Bowen School of Law. We'll come back talk more with him. So what was uh, what was Pacino's name? Michael. Michael, Michael Corleone. Right. I kept thinking Bobby, and I knew that was wrong. That's me. Nobody that <laughs> strong would be called be Bobby. Bobby. All right. right, let's take a break. We'll have more for you in just a moment. All right, we've got just two minutes here before we got to get to the news. Were you not proud of the way the president announced that they killed that terrorist? I actually thought it was remarkably good, and for those... You constantly hear, well, he needs to be more presidential. I'll say this. Whether or not you agree with that claim, putting that aside for a moment, he was extremely, I thought, presidential in that moment. I thought he was fantastic in how he presented it. They don't think it's presidential when you say that he was... Sniffling like a dog. Yeah, Yeah. whittling and crying and whimpering like a dog. I I think it's great. That's right on the That's like going back... To Bush Senior. That's right. When he called him Saddam. That's right. Well, and Saddam Hussein. Do you know about that? Oh, I didn't know that. He yeah. mis- intentionally mispronounced. Oh, the, yeah. yeah. Is that right? He meant dog. Oh, is that right? But that's very powerful <laughs> in that uh, part of the world. Uh, when you equate people uh, to weakness like that, it has a very powerful effect. You know so. what makes me want to laugh is the people who say, "Don't say things like that. You'll just want to kill us more." Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're cutting people's heads off and burning them alive. You right. tell me they can want to kill you even more. That's right. That's right. More than 100%, right? Yeah, I guess. Uh, it's just so silly. It's it's also similar to the claim, well, what you're doing really is you're creating more terrorists. Oh. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't some feedback loop, but my response to it is, well, then we're not killing terrorists fast enough. I'll give you right? my, I'll tell you my story about that from a class I went to, the Dynamics of International Terrorism. And a guy from the Mossad who was talking to the class, and a captain asked him that question about making more terrorists. Right. I'll tell you what his answer was After when the break. we come back from the break. That's right. You've watched this, listened to the show for a long time. You've heard the answer. Okay, so one of the stories I did for Air Force uh, Now 
was on uh, the dynamics of uh, terrorism. Right. And uh, I went uh, down there on the Gulf of uh, Mexico. I'm trying to think of the name of the Air Force Base. It it, it got devastated during this last hurricane. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, in fact, I don't think they're putting it back together. I think they're going to leave it down. Anyway, uh, went there for this uh, training. And what I was doing is reporting on what they were training these guys to do. And so when we would do that, we'd go through the classes as well. And so I learned how to use C4 and all kinds of stuff. I I loved it. It was just a, a blast. That was a joke. Uh, <laughs> and learned how to blow up cars and stuff. But during the time this was going on, it was a two-week class, and they would bring in people that were fighting terrorism at that time, which was in the 80s, which was by that at that time kind of centralized in Europe. A lot of it happening in Germany, you know, the Bonhoeff gang and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, Black September had gone after the... Uh, Israelis in Munich during the uh, uh, Olympics and stuff. And uh, the last people that came in was uh, the Mossad. Right. Who, for me, they have kind of this. They have a mystique about them. They've got an, yeah, aura. Right. Of these are some badassery people. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. They go out. And it's been that way ever since in Tebby. But anyway. they're talking. The guy that was there uh, talking, I don't remember his name. I do know that he had part in Gideon's Sword, was where the Israelis went out and searched out as many of the Black September people as they could and killed them. And because the Israelis don't put up with that stuff, never did. Generally not. Maybe maybe not. now more they do. They've maybe softened a little bit, but back in the sixties, seventies, and eighties, yeah. they couldn't. They could not let anybody think they could push them around. They shouldn't now, by the way. Yeah, well, yeah. nobody should. Right. So anyway, uh, he was talking about it. And he he made, and I, I can remember this almost verbatim. He said, searching out terrorists is like finding the place that rats bed down at. You find them and you kill them all. And this captain raised his hand. And he said, yeah, but what about the people that are like, uh, you know, uh, relatives and stuff that become become uh, terrorists then? And you know what he said? Yeah. Kill them too. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what he said. Mm-hmm. I'll never, and that captain had the dumbest look on his face. Like, he didn't expect that answer. That's and right. I don't get that. I, that, right. that. To me, that's the most logical answer of all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only good terrorist... To coin a phrase here, is a dead terrorist. Indeed. Indeed. I mean, that's it. No, I don't think this is complicated math. And so they say, well, but you're, you're breeding them more quickly than you are killing no. them. No. Well, but here's the thing. It's not true. Well, if it, if it is true, that means then you're not killing them fast enough. Well, Sorry. That's true, too. But right? just saying, if you, can, if you can stop them from procreating early enough and you don't have to worry about them creating more terrorists right the way it is so do i do would i lose sleep if i was a special forces guy having to go in and get somebody like you know this bin daddy guy 
Absolutely not. I would think I just did the human race. Quite the contrary, right? Service. Exactly. It, w- it would seem to be a pinnacle of of achievement in terms of service to our country. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to be interesting to find out now when it comes out how many of the people that were there protecting him died in the attack and how many gave up. Right. I'm be interested. And then we didn't lose anybody. No. Nobody even got wounded. It's it's, it's amazing. The the The, dog got injured. Yeah. Or as he said, the canine that I call a dog. Right. Right. You got to laugh at that stuff. He makes me laugh at times. But yeah, it was... uh, it was very, very good, the things that he had to say. And I thought when people were asking him questions, unlike Biden, who gave up SEAL Team 6 being the group that killed uh, Osama bin oh, Laden. Oh, is that right? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, in a press conference. I didn't know that. And what happened, and he wasn't supposed to t- say right, anything about right, it. Right, right. And what happened a few months later, their helicopter got shot, and they went down and he killed a bunch of them. <laughs> All right. That's why you don't tell them who did it, mm-hmm. all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wouldn't say. He says, I'll leave that to the generals. Right. I thought he was very well prepared in that press conference. That's why I did good. Right. That's why, I mean, sure, they asked, well, what time did they go in? I'm sure the president was sitting there looking right at well, his that, watch. I, 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 don't, you know, they, I wouldn't answer questions like yeah, that. Went in there. You know, right. just all you got to do, talk to the generals. That's right. They've got... The timeline, perfect. and they also know what types of operational details they want to give out, and right. that they don't want to right. give out. That's right. Because they, he asked, they asked, well, how much, what kind of uh, stuff are you guys expecting off of those, off of those computers? Uh, I'm not going to talk about that. Right. Of course, and you don't know until you search it anyway. So well, it's I'll, I'll tell you, they, I, they have effectively decapitated mm-hmm. ISIS now mm-hmm. completely. Mm-hmm. You know, even if somebody tries to start it up again, they're going to want to use a lot of the materials that would be on those computers, mm-hmm. and we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. We should be like the Israelis were in the 60s and the 70s. When we have terrorist organizations that kill Americans, we should hunt down their leaders and kill them one by one. Absolutely. Or two by two or four by four, yeah, don't get me absolutely. wrong. Absolutely. But... The, the, it's enough with the kind of I gotta tell you, complacency. Joy, yeah. the, the only movie that Spielberg did that really, really ticked me off was Munich. Yeah, it was not a great movie. And it, there's, there are, well, they made it sound like just because the guy blew up the one terrorist and his daughter happened right, to be there, right. as though he suddenly lost all right. his guts. Right. He, no, and he, he wouldn't have. Right. He, wouldn't have thought, he wouldn't have thought twice about it. Right. The terrorist had his daughter there. He didn't put his daughter there. Right. I just, I'm sorry. No, it was now not. You're, now you're hearing the military man, Dave Ellswick, when I was a, in the military. Right, it wasn't a good movie. No. No, he he, tried to, he really tried to play that both ways. Right. you got to be hardcore when you're going after him, but you got to keep your humanity. No. Right. You can't keep your humanity when you're fighting people who have no humanity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but that's what makes our special forces well, people special. You know, I would characterize it differently. I would say you can keep your humanity, but by the same token, you're not going to lose your stuff just because there's collateral damage. Yeah, you don't. Well, you don't. Seek that's it what out. I'm saying. I understand. Okay. I understand. I mean, you're sorry that right. it happened, but they're the ones who started it. That's it. 
We've got to finish it. That's right. Just the way it goes. What way it happens. If you want to send uh, emails about how much I'm a warmonger, Dave at SalemLR.com. Just let me know. But when people want a war against us, I say kill them all. That's Mm -hmm. that's the way I am. Mm -hmm. What about Trump not telling your buddy Nancy and uh, dude, I'm all about that. I know you are. I, I, I mean, heard you on I the mean, way seriously. In. I right. mean, do you don't you agree with me that of as many leaks as come out Actually, of those people? You know, I, I heard you talking about that on my way in, and I and I agree with that. But let me tell you, here's my philosophy: they are illegitimately seeking to uh, um, indict him. Essentially, right? That's yeah. what a um, impeachment, impeachment process is. is. So, guess what? You don't get any favors. Period. Well, here's... No favors. Sorry. It went leaking or Robert, not. Here's I'm what, not telling here's you. Here's what really pissed me off. Schiff says he should have called us so that we could talk to him and talk strategy with right. him. Screw right. you, right. dude. Because the California... The, by guess the way, what? The, the, the Constitution of the United States says president is the commander-in-chief. Because some California congressman who's never served a day in his life in the military... What an idiot. Uh, ...is going to opine on those things. Neither is Trump, mind you, but he's got his generals around him. Yeah, he's so, an idiot. Right. An idiot. Well, and that's my point. Well, sorry, Schiff, you kind of waived that courtesy, and that's all it is, is a courtesy. Sure it is. Uh, when you decided to make up a, a phony, baloney impeachment process. He didn't even tell Lindsey Graham until it was over. Come yeah. on. yeah. The less people who know, the better. Guess what? I would have no problem if he did tell Lindsay and he didn't tell Schiff. No problem yeah. at all. But I'm just saying. I understand. The less you tell, the better. You know, World War II, loose lips sink ships. Right. That's the truth. Right. All right, let's take a break. Yeah. What do you say? We'll yep. come back. We're going to talk more. We got a lot to talk about. Indeed. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, quarter to four on a Monday. All right. I have to talk about this. This is a story from Daily Caller today. Mm -hmm. This makes me question our schools, our public schools, and our public universities. Question? Yeah. A growing number of millennials show support for communism and socialism. That's a survey from Victims of Communism, which is a very conservative and good group. I'm just going to let you know. I'll see if I can't get them on. The survey conducted by them and polled by the research and data firm YouGov, you've heard of them before, I'm sure, found that 70% of millennials are likely to vote socialist and that one in three millennial millennials perceive communism as favorable. The survey is part of uh, the Victims of Communism's report, U.S. Attitudes Towards Socialism, Communism, and Collectivism. A little over half of the millennials polled said the Declaration of Independence guarantees freedom and equality better than the Communist Manifesto. What a big surprise that they thought it was better, to be honest with you. Uh, Said that these folks, the historical amnesia, about the dangers of communism and socialism is on full display in this year's report. According to Marion Smith, the executive director, I know Marion, I think we can get him on. When we don't educate our youngest generations about the historical truth of 100 million victims 
murdered at the hands of communist regimes over the past century, we shouldn't be surprised at the willingness to embrace Marxist ideas. We need to redouble our efforts to educate America's youth about the history of communism, uh, the regimes of communism, and the dangers of socialism today. Millennials polled also said, hang on to your hat about this one, they consider President Donald Trump, quote, the biggest threat to world peace, rating Trump as more dangerous to world peace than Putin, Young out of Korea, and uh, Chinese President, how does he pronounce his name? Xi? Xi or something like that, yeah. 10% of millennials said Trump is responsible, and I'm quoting this, responsible for more deaths and human rights abuses than mass murderer and Russian leader Joseph Stalin or German dictator Adolf Hitler. What in the hell's going on in our school systems? Well, they're watching the mainstream media. Right? They keep calling the president Hitlerian. They Incredible don't, to They me. don't report uh, the wrongdoing by places like China, where they systematically uh, imprison and kill people for religious beliefs. And no one ever got pulled out of poverty through socialism or communism. No one ever got rich. They got through, put into so, poverty right, exactly. by socialism and communism. That's right. Tens of millions of people died as a direct consequence of socialism and communism. Do you run into this when you're teaching kids that they think that our Constitution is just a little bit better than what they're teaching over there in the Soviet Union? No, I don't. Thank God for that. Yeah, but in part because I don't traverse that path too often. I think it's (laughs) it's too difficult. You don't want to get... You don't want to get completely disillusioned and uh, right. depressed. Is right. that what you're saying? But to you me? hear things like people say, well, a minimum wage is going to increase the, the money spent and therefore increase economic activity. That's where, that's where right. our good buddy from over at UALR. Uh, Ford. Ford right. is so good. Right, because it's just such nonsense. And there, there, there's so many arguments for and against the minimum wage. But the left recently... Um, more than a decade, indeed, have been making this argument. Oh, well, you pay people more and they spend more money and therefore you stimulate the economy. But but, but overall, you're spending less money, not more money. It doesn't – money doesn't get created by increasing wages. No. Money spent decreases because employment is inversely related. And then there's some silly study out of New Jersey that was a survey that – People glom onto and say, well, that study says that increasing minimum wage doesn't decrease employment. Uh, Was it written by Klugman? Well, it was not even a good study. And and at best for them, it demonstrates that there may have been some stickiness in wages in in New Jersey. But it much more likely seems to be just a flawed data collection because it was they figured out the information by making phone calls. Well, that's wholly inaccurate. That's just nonsense. And so the fact is that increasing wages overall has a negative impact on employment. Now, maybe insignificant, but it's not a positive impact. And so there's less money in the economy as a consequence of it, not more. Anyway, that's my little lesson of economics for the day. Well, it's the same way as you hear Nancy Pelosi 
Well, we want to increase the uh, earned income tax credit, which right. I call the unearned income tax credit. Right. And uh, we want to give, uh, you know, families more money. Right. That they can go out and spur on the economy. Right. Well, that's a slightly different thing because what that's that's simply redistribution of wealth. Yeah. Right. And so in that instance, there may be an increase in distribution of money that's actually spent. That's not necessarily good for the economy, but at least there's some connection to what she's saying. The other claim is just on its face, not logical. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the problem that when people discuss economics, they their desired outcome often becomes what they believe to be the claim of reality. I had a discussion recently about somebody, uh, you know, I I study how people perform on tests like the SATs yes. or the LSATs, that's the law school version of course, and how that relates, indeed correlates to bar passage because we use it as an admission test. Right. So we wouldn't use it if it didn't tell us anything. It does tell us something. And so someone said to me, well, I heard that that test is not so good at measuring the performance of minorities. That's exactly the opposite of the truth. In fact, it's better, better. It's more accurate. Uh, It's more forgiving uh, for minorities than it is for non-minorities. Meaning, just to be clear, because the language can be a little ambiguous, if you get a low score on the LSAT, it doesn't mean you're going to fail the bar or not do well in law school, but the lower the score, the more likely that is. Well, guess what? That same low score for someone who's white might predict some form of failure. It more likely predicts it for minorities. So for those that claim that it's biased against minorities, if anything, it's biased in favor of minorities. But this is kind of make-believe. Why? So why do they say that, you must be thinking, Dave, right, I'm sure? And the response is because that narrative fits the leftist, academic, and in general, policy. Yep. So that's what, well, if that fits our policy, then it got to be true. No. No. You're making it up. Yep. There you have it. A lot of it's just pie in the sky. Entirely. All it is. Entirely. Socialism is a dirty word to the president and many of his supporters, count this person as one, uh, and has shown a decrease in favorability in all age groups except those over 74, which is kind of weird, and millennials, of which 70% said they'd be likely to vote for a socialist candidate. Wow. And uh, Marion Smith, executive director of the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation, says he's troubled by the findings of this latest poll. Mm -hmm. Historical amnesia. Mm -hmm. That's a good good way to phrase it, isn't it? Other nuggets from the report included that 22% of millennials believe, quote, society would be better. Hold on, baby. I'm waiting for it. If all private property was abolished. Yeah. Another just And that 40%, of Generation Z members and millennials believe that, quote, all higher education should be free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's free as long as you pay for it. What are they teaching in our high schools? Mm-hmm. It's a good question. Mm-hmm. We'll take a break, and if they're teaching it, 
parents. Why aren't you doing something about it? It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach's here. We'll be back after the news. Bongino on the five and they ask him about Trump's speech and he just smiled and he said I've been waiting for a president to give that kind of speech for many many years and I'm with him I'm with him I loved what uh, President Trump how he announced that uh, Al Big Daddy was dead like a coward like a whimpering dog. That's what he was. Of course he was. You know, yeah, just think about it. All of course right. he was. I got a story I got to bring to you. It was sent to me uh, from uh, the Demgaz. And this is the Sunday edition. And I, you know, I scratch my head when I read articles like this. It makes no sense to me. So let me, let me read these, this to you. Because it's only one, two, three paragraphs long. Okay. Philander Smith College graduates will have guaranteed acceptance in the University of Arkansas at Little Rock, William H. Bowen School of Law. Pay attention, Robert. This is going to impact you. Uh, Provided they meet admissions requirements and three new criteria, UALR announced last week. They must have, and I quote, minimum cumulative GPA of 3.4, scored a 154 or above on the LSAT, and that, that's pretty good. That's a good score. Have For us. I mean, yeah. not for Harvard, let's say, and that's not an insult. I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. And GPA 3.4, yeah, it's respectable. It. And, and the LSAT score is a respectable LSAT score, too. And then have no character or fitness issues that would disqualify them from being... Uh, Admit it to the bar, but this is the part that bothered me. (coughs) The law school provides a 25% tuition discount to students who have earned their bachelor's degrees from an Arkansas historically black college or university such as Philander Smith. Why does that matter, Robert? Why would that matter? I, I was unaware of that. Um, you know, let me not talk specifically about what's going on at my school. Let me make okay. some general comments about how... I mean, we see this right, at Michigan and right, other places. Right, we see places. it all over, the, all over the country, of course. 
uh, I believe that, like I was saying, as you were detailing it, those scores um, are pretty good for our student body. But if if that's the case, and uh, at any school, if you have a set of scores that are good that you believe warrant admission, then I wouldn't restrict it to one school. I would open it up to any school, right? So uh, that's one thing. And then I believe in two forms of scholarship. I believe in scholarship for merit. So you want to attract the good students. There's a variety of reasons schools want to attract good students, and I can talk about that, but I'll I'll do that in a moment maybe. And the other reason is need-based. So it's unclear to me in your description whether it falls into either one of those. I, I certainly wouldn't choose one school over another as an undergraduate institution um, for any uh, law school uh, to give a special uh, discount rate to. Some schools, for example, give a special discount rate to those students who graduated from their undergraduate school. Maybe there's an argument for it. I'm not a fan of it, but maybe you could think of some argument. I'm, I, I wouldn't do it. And so as a general matter, I think uh, schools, if they believe there's a certain GPA slash LSAT score that is good enough to warrant admission, then put it on your website and say it, meaning for anybody. I I don't see why. I don't understand why you only get this 25% uh, break if you have graduated or earned your bachelor's degree from an Arkansas historically black college or university such as Philander Smith. Now, with that thought in mind, that would mean if you come from the U of A, you don't get 25% off. I guess, or UCA, or there's a lot of great schools in Arkansas. Uh, And like I say, I, I think there should, at any university in this country, if I were to set up the policies regarding tuition discounts, I would give scholarships for need, I would, and I would give scholarships for merit. Those would be the two bases. And going to school X versus school Y as an undergrad, uh, don't fall into that, unless somehow you're considering it as part of the merit, but you still have to do well, and it needs to be a highly ranked school for it to be considered a, a merit factor. So if you came from Harvard as undergrad, and you were applying to Fayetteville, they would likely consider that as a merit factor, but you still would have had to have done well at Harvard for you to actually be considered a high merit candidate. So, I foresee a lawsuit over this. It's interesting. You raise an interesting question. I'd have to think more about whether that's a violation because what you're talking about is whether that is sort of inappropriately. This is discrimination. Right, right. It's your, it, yeah. it smacks of discrimination right. to me. Right. That's a, it's a real question. I don't get it. Yeah. I anyway, to, yeah. I guess they get some money to burn in the law, as far as a lawsuit goes. Well, lawsuit, we, university, public universities these days across the country have very little money to burn. I don't know if there's any, uh, maybe, maybe in California they have, they're awash in money. Well, they're just burning. They're just burning, right. But most <laughs> universities... Uh, uh, all of the public universities in Arkansas, for example, um, are trying to get more money because it's a challenge. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't think that generally public universities have money to burn. I am going to be interested to see if the president, once again, with what's going on in California right now with the fires, 
points the finger directly at the uh, California politicians and the uh, folks that are their, uh, you know, bureau rats and stuff about their laws dealing with forestry that bring these fires on. Right. I hope they do because they're getting federal funds to fight those fires and to try to stop those fires, but have laws on the books in their own state that perpetuate the fires. That's right. That's right. So what can what can the federal government do in, in something like that, uh, Robert? Do it's they- a really tough question, you know, because you're not going to hold back the immediate funding to solve the problem. And then essentially you're funding mismanagement. And I don't know what the solution is. It's, I draw some analogy to what's going on in California regarding the homeless, right? They, they tell them they're allowed to encamp wherever they want. They're allowed to use illegal drugs wherever they want. And you have these encampments in places like San Francisco, which is literally the most expensive place in the country. I've been to San Francisco. It's, in some of the most high-end areas of right. San Francisco. That's right. And you get at. these drug addicts and uh, vagrants setting up tents on the sidewalk. And you got to walk around it. And you got to walk around the needles and, and other drug paraphernalia. And the poop. Right. Oh, there's uh, there's a lot of it. Yeah. And it's obviously it causes contamination. Mm -hmm. It's not healthy. And the left are so delusional, they think it's okay. Well, they think it's okay because down in L.A. where they've got a real problem with it as well, they've got cops that are getting sick. Right. You know, with all kinds of diseases that these people are. From third world countries. These are like third world diseases. You shouldn't have them in America. We should have yellow fever. Right. Like the last one I heard. And and you just want to bang your head against the wall and said, what has happened to this country that we've lost in many instances, our collective minds about that stuff. That's right. I don't, I don't get it. You saw in New York where the, the cops were having water thrown, like buckets of water thrown on them. I wouldn't, if I were a cop, I'd arrest the person for that's an assault. I wouldn't let someone do that to me. Not being a cop. You throw water at me. I punch in the nose. You know, you'd be one to get arrested. I'd be arrested. You'd exactly. get arrested. They let the th- water thrower off. Exactly. That's an assault. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. I'd be defending myself unless the guy was running away. Then you couldn't you couldn't chase him down and punch him. In the- but if he's coming at you with a bucket of water, you punch him in the nose. You have to stop the assault. Yeah, unless they said, well, you didn't know if he was going to throw it. It may have been like the Harlem Goat. <laughs> yeah, with the confetti and, and inside. It just, confetti. it just has to be reasonable, yeah. by the way. You don't have to know it for a fact. And you just have to make a reasonable conclusion. And that's reasonable. That's the way and, I look at the law sometimes. That's right. It's that crazy. it's so absurd that yeah, it, it gets crazy. It like, that's Absolutely. Right. It gets crazy. That's right. All right. So when we come back, I want yeah. to bring up a story I came across. And that was that there was a... Um, public shooting going on downtown Little Rock over the weekend. Some sh- some cars really? were exchanging gunfire. Other cars were struck by it, whatnot. And that one of the witnesses yelled out a very interesting thing and told the police about it as well. And if they don't get it under control, you're going to be able to fire a cannon down there on President Clinton Avenue and not hit anybody. Right, right. We'll talk about it of course. here on the Dave Ellswick Show. A brutal killer 
one who has caused so much hardship and death, has violently been eliminated. He died like a dog. The world is now a much safer place. I love it. Because he's right. It's not a complicated analysis, right? No. He did die like a dog. He was human waste. And I'm glad he's no longer here. And we should continue, by the way. There are plenty of other terrorists no, for the they, United States to they, hunt down and kill. They said they ain't stopping. Good. Pompeo said, "Good, we're after all of them. So that's good. good. They shouldn't sleep. That's they right. should not sleep soundly. Let's that's just right. put it that way. That's exactly right. Because it may come by a bullet. It could come from a uh, a plane dropping a bomb, or a, or maybe it's going to be a drone sending a Hellfire missile right up your tailpipe. That's right. One way or the other, we're going to get you. That's right. You know, and then we're going to call you a dog and we're going to make sure the world knows you do what these guys did. That's your fate. Yeah. Period. Yeah. That's your fate. And hopefully, in all seriousness, we can even speed up the, the pace. The, the process, the, yeah. Meaning the time from, you know, he, he got away with a lot of bad acts before we got to him. That's not a criticism of us taking him out. It's a, I'm applauding that. But like I said, I really liked it because I like it when my, when my president says things like this right here. A brutal killer, one who has caused so much hardship and death, has violently been eliminated. He died like a dog. The world is now a much safer place. He died like a dog. Yeah, that's right. The truth, isn't it? That's absolutely the truth. Okay. I promised people I would talk about the shooting over yeah. the weekend downtown. Yeah, yeah. A couple of cars evidently exchanging gunfire back and forth and struck other cars. And one of the witnesses said uh, that uh, they yelled at him, uh, we're not afraid of no effing bloods. Now, that tells you there's a gang problem mm-hmm. in Little Rock. Mm-hmm. And if they, do, if they don't want people to come downtown... Just let that kind of stuff become almost, you know, second nature. Yeah, sure. It happened one other time. Yeah. That whole banging in the rock thing was back in the 90s. And they said that these guys that had been banging in the rock had now gotten out of, out of prison. And they're bringing that kind of thought process evidently back to the youth that are here. Terrible. I, I was talking with some Bjor hack several years ago. And there was a shooting downtown, different part of that downtown. And I was suggesting there was a need for greater um, law enforcement there. And this beer hack starts, well, it's the safest, this is one of the safest parts of Little Rock. What? No, it's not. It's just made up, right? And this is what we were talking about earlier in the show, Dave, how people just make up facts and you've got to be willing to call them out on it. No, that's not true. And the solution to shootings is not to ignore them. No. To increase security. Well, they've got all kinds of technology. They have that technology when gunfire is fired that they can pinpoint. They can it. identify it. That's right. Well, and also simple legislation like Bob Ballinger's Stand Your Ground, which in a nutshell means if you're downtown and there's shooting going on, you don't, you're not forced to. You can, but you're not forced to say, I better look around and duck and cover before I do anything else. Because if I don't, and then I wind up having to shoot a bad guy who's trying to kill me, they're going to say, well, why didn't you duck and cover first? Yep. And the answer is, 
because John Cooper voted against that law. Yeah. John Cooper, is he a Republican, Dave? That's what he says. That's what he says, right? Is, is, is Saying the, and being are two different that's things. That's right. Is he the one that said when he ran against Dan Sullivan in the primary uh, several years ago that he, Chuck Cooper, Chuck Cooper, what's it, uh, J- John Cooper, yeah. is going to um, uh, vote against Obamacare? Yeah. Right? And then what did he do? No the first? Medicaid expansion. And what was the first thing he did when he got voted in office? For voted Medicaid for Medicaid expansion. There you go. And then he does like others do. And he goes back to his constituents and says, you don't understand. If you heard all the facts that I hear, you would have voted for it, too, as though you're a dumbass because you can't understand it. Well, he's running now as effectively a Democrat, even though he calls himself a Republican. He met with the Moms for Action group, which are a bunch of very earnest and nice people, but they're on the wrong side of the firearms issue, plain and simple. Mm -hmm. And he's running as a Democrat. And as you know, it's going to be kind of the the rematch. What was the uh, Manila fight with, uh, what was it, Joe Frazier? The Thriller in Manila. This is going to be the Thriller in Manila 2, where (laughs) Dan Sullivan is- In Jonesboro. Yeah, in Jonesboro. We need something that rhymes with Jonesboro. Come on, Zach, give us something. Uh, You need Muhammad Ali for that. We need (laughs) Ali, exactly. It's going to be hard to get He's going to be the greatest. and uh, Dan Sullivan, it's going to be in a rematch with um, uh, John Cooper. Uh, and this time, hopefully the Republican will win, meaning Dan uh, Sullivan, of course. Yeah. He's a good conservative, Dan is. And he's going to bring about positive change when we get him into, into the Senate. And let me tell you about if you're up in that area, yeah. don't think that he's got that sewn up because he's a really good conservative because I have been given a lot of information through the grapevine that a lot of money is being pushed Cooper's way. Oh, yeah. That they figure that uh, keep Sullivan out and uh, Cooper will just stand up for, uh, you know, what's going on. Yeah, well, it's like big pharma, big, uh, big medicine, mm-hmm. pro-Obamacare money. And he's trying to appeal to the leftists uh, up in the... Um, ASU over there, hoping that they'll still vote in the Republican primary because, you know, we have open primaries in Arkansas. And so... He'd get rid of those. Yeah. So uh, if you're a Republican and you're listening to this show and you live up there in Craighead County uh, and you want to vote for a conservative, there's only one candidate on the ballot. That's true. That's Dan Sullivan. For Senate. Yeah, for Senate. That's what I'm talking about. There's only one candidate. That would be Dan Sullivan. That's right. There was a story I came across. I, I'm going to have to get Dan to come on. Yeah. There's there's some kind of, you know, wobbly stuff going on up there with uh, some of the the politicians. Oh, I saw something about that, right? Yeah. Somebody somebody was offering someone else uh, to drop out of the race. Yeah, you drop right? out would make sure that, wasn't it about scholarship? Yeah, or something with a scholarship. Yeah, I'll yeah. look it up. Yeah, and, and and we can talk about that when we come back here right, on the right. Davos. So we got got a couple of minutes here. By the way, you can't see it because you're listening on the radio, but I showed my latest uh, uh, piece of hardware that I've got now to um, my main man here, Robert. I'm wearing a boot. Right now, not a regular boot, one of those walking boots. Not a Western boots. boot. No, uh, because, and let me tell you, if you're a type 2 diabetic, type 1 diabetic, and in, and you get a, a cut or something on your foot, make sure you take good care oh, of it. Oh, yeah. 
Now, I took good care of it. Yeah. It just so happens. But you keep walking on it. Yeah, I've been walking on it. And now it's ulcerated. Yeah. And so I was at the wound center today over at uh, uh, was at Spring Hill yeah. Baptist Hospital right. uh, talking to, to the folks over there. And they wanted to get me off of that that place. They said the blood flow there was good. Uh, uh, I don't have all the feeling still in my feet, but I got a lot of it. I got like 82%. So they're happy with that. And uh, so they cleaned it up and they wanted me off of it. So they put this boot on me. I got a, got a hard cast. Yeah. I kind of, let's see if I can get some. Careful now. You know, Dave, you were talking about type one and type two diabetics. If I were to, if I were to have diabetes, and of course I uh, hope not to, uh, I'd want type three, just to be different. Type three, <laughs> just to be different. What no, do you no, think type that? three diabetic. Yeah. That's type one plus two. Exactly. You don't want both. No, of them. I'm you just really telling don't. you. I'm just joking. anyway. Bottom line is, uh, they put this on me. I can walk in it. I can drive in it, but I'm not sipping on. I'll talk more about it because it's it's important stuff to think about yeah. if you're a type two. If or you're type a diabetic, diabetic. you got to take care of yourself. All right, back. We're talking about, uh, I was just sitting here giving stories Yeah, to, to Robert. From your 50 years in radio. Yeah, That's 50 amazing. years. That's amazing. I'm an old, old man. Started when you are four. <laughs> Absolutely. I wish. <laughs> I wish. Anyway, I started with 16, so do yeah. the math. Right, Bottom right. line. Anyway, let me finish up by saying if you got diabetes of any form, one or two. Or three. Make sure you take good care of your feet. A That's lot right. of times you, it's at your feet that you'll have these problems. You get neuropathy. You start losing feeling. You get a blister. Maybe you're just out walking or whatever, and that blister, you don't notice it, and suddenly it starts uh, you know, becoming something really bad. Uh, Dr. Driscoll, I promised her I would talk about this a little bit. Uh, she's a really fine uh, physician and and handles the wound clinic uh, with another doctor I met today, but I apologize to her. I forgot what her name is. Uh, but she was in watching uh, doc, the doc work on my foot and giving her some, you know, some necessary information that she could t- take with it. They were trimming. I have a callus on the bottom of my foot, and uh, they were trimming the callus away from this area. It's about the size of a quarter. <laughs> Uh, now a little bit bigger because of what they did. Now they've got the, the weight off of it. It should start healing. Yeah, if you have diabetes and you have a wound, particularly on your foot, but anywhere, you've got to go to a doctor and get wound care. It's that yeah, simple. Get taken care of. That's right. You can't uh, just, yeah. oh, it's going to heal itself. Normally it would, but the problem with diabetics is that their wounds don't heal well. Don't heal that's correctly right. usually. They're, it takes longer to that's heal, right. and that's a problem. I did find out another thing today. You know, a lot most of us use, uh, you know, the triple antibiotic right. ointment, right? Right, right. It's not good enough. Right, it's not know, strong enough. Something like that. Yeah, right. uh, what it is is that it uh, kind of sits on top right. and kills the initial, right. you know, bacteria that's there. Right. But it doesn't get into the wound. That's right. And so there's this uh, silver stuff. It's I call it silver stuff. It's silver something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I start putting that on, and what it does is it migrates into the cells and into the tissue and fighting it on a whole different level. And then 
uh, this last time, Thursday, when I went to the, uh, and I, w- I wasn't here Thursday, we had a best of show because I was at the emergency room. Mm-hmm. Uh, my doctor had looked at it. Sharon Abrams is my doctor at uh, the clinic. And she looked at it and she says, you know, I don't like the looks of that, Dave. And, you know, my husband had uh, something like that. And it took over a year to get it cleaned up because he waited too long. Right. Right. So don't do uh, it. she called the wound center. Wound center said as soon as they could get me in was November 13th. She said, that's not soon enough. So she sent me to the emergency room at Spring Hill Baptist. And I went over and they were looking at it and talking to me about it. And so they gave me this, it's a Dakin uh, solution. And what it is, is it's, it's Clorox bleach. It's uh distilled water and baking powder mm-hmm. mixed together. And so you clean your wound with that. And that like, that's like a nuclear bomb. All right? mm-hmm, <laughs> it mm-hmm. goes in, kills everything. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I've been using that since Thursday and they, uh, they got in and cleaned uh, with that and something else today. The doc did. So it, uh, it's all cleaned up. It's been bandaged up. Now it can get on to healing. Yeah. But the, the, the public service message is, if you are a diabetic and you have a wound, don't wait for it See to heal. A doctor, you have to go to a doctor. It's unfortunate, yeah. but listen, plenty of people live extremely long lives with diabetes, but you got to take care I of yourself. I intend to. Indeed. I, I intend to. Indeed. Bottom line, I take care. I try to take care of myself, you know, keeping the sixes with my A1C. If you're right. diabetic, you know that that's pretty good. If you can get under six. It's almost like not having the disease anymore, mm-hmm. but it's still there, and it's insidious. Mm-hmm. It 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 destroys nerves and right. stuff that right. you don't even realize that it's happening. So keep that in mind. I want everybody to be healthy. I want my listeners around forever, and I want to be around forever too. That's right. Doing our things. All right. So I just wonder what the mayor and the police chief are talking about. Here in Little if Rock, you got, if you got the blood, I think they're playing boggle because if, that, you, if you got the blood, you got the crypt somewhere. How they can fire another police officer for doing his job? Maybe that's what they're talking about. Yeah, I don't how know. how the police chief can countermand the decision making of every other member of the hierarchy of the police department that said that that shooting of that police officer, forget his name now, wasn't justified. Wasn't justified. Exactly. Wasn't a righteous shooting. Exactly. And by coincidence, that's the the police chief put in by that mayor uh, just shortly before. And the police chief with his hand ring, oh, I'm a friend of the officers. Nonsense. You're a lackey of the mayor. The police chief of Little Rock is a lackey of the mayor. Because the mayor gives you your job. Yeah. And and he did the mayor's bidding because the mayor wanted to get rid of that police officer, even though the the shoot that the police officer did of the guy with a gun. Yeah. With a gun. Yeah. He had a gun. He was gun. entirely justified. Because he didn't do it exactly. Because like, he crossed in front of the car. Yeah, like, to get away from the bad guy. <laughs> Yeah. He didn't put himself in front of the car to create did the not havoc. Follow, follow departmental procedures, but the, and the truth is, he did because mm-hmm. you're not allowed. Like if a car is racing down the street, you're not allowed to step in front of it and then say, "Well, he was racing down and he was going to hit me." Yeah, because you stepped in front of it. But here, the guy's trying to arrest the guy, trying to get the guy out of the car, and he starts moving the car. So, so the cop tries to get away from the moving car, and he runs around the front of it because it's the only place he had to go. So I've heard that he's going to go. 
uh, he's take silly. this to civil court. Is yeah, that to, correct? He's, fi- he's, fi- he's filed, I, th- I don't know if he's filed or he's expected to file in the circuit court. His lawyer said he's going to file. Uh, so he's going to have another hearing. Will I don't know what the standard now, of review is. Now, will that be a hearing or will that be a jury trial? Right, I don't know. It's I don't know if it's a, it gets a completely new bite at the apple, so to speak, or it's just a review of what went on in the uh, Civil Service Commission. And so if it's a review... That's not that's Your not very good. Your chances are not good. Not very good. If it's complete rehearing of all the facts, then of course your chances are pretty good because I think generally the the jury would be in favor of awarding this guy his job back given that he did nothing wrong. Yeah, well, I agree with that. Right. He was protect and serve. Yeah, but the bureau hacks don't like it because it doesn't fit in of with their political they don't agenda. Like it. This was a, maybe the guy graduated from a historically black college. Well, then he can get a discount. That's it. But uh, the w- w- what was the name of the the old mayor, the previous mayor? I should say. I don't know if he's old or not. Oh, I'm trying to think. Right, um, Stodola. Yeah, Stodola. Stodola. Right? Yeah, yeah, uh, Jello Jim before him. Is it? Uh, yeah. But what I was going to jokingly say is, uh, "Hey, Mark, come on back. <laughs> come on back." Yeah, I don't know if he'd been all that much different. I don't know. Case, I don't know. I, I really have, of course, no idea. But this was just such remarkable, um, bureau hackdom. Uh, I don't know what could be worse than it. Bureau rats. Yeah, they're bureau rats. They are. They're bureau rats. That's, mm-hmm. that's what they are. Okay, I'm I'm looking here because I wanted to talk about Congresswoman Katie Hill. Every time I hear that name, I think of some singer. Isn't there a singer with a similar name? Yeah, it's. Uh, What's her name, uh, Hill, the, the country singer? Is Faith Hill. Faith Hill, country. Yeah, freshman representative Katie Hill, I don't know if you've been following this story, I've been kind of keeping my eye on it, is resigning amid an ethics investigation over an allegedly inappropriate relationship with a staffer. In a letter posted on Twitter, the Southern California Democrat attributed the resignation to an uh, abusive, estranged husband and hateful political operatives who she said were driving a smear campaign built around cyber exploitation. Her resignation was first reported by Political. The House Ethics Committee investigation of Hill came amid unconfirmed allegations about her personal life reported by conservative site Red State, and uh, full disclosure here, Red Mm -hmm. State is owned by Salem Media. Oh, is that right? I didn't know that. Interesting. Which, along with the Daily Mail, published nude photos of the congresswoman without her consent. Hill, who was elected last year, described the images as a, quote, illegal, unquote, and appalling invasion of privacy, that had been weaponized against her. That's one of the favorite words Democrats love. Everything is weaponized. Weaponized. It's such a misuse of the word. I'm not saying what happened to her was good, but the the use of the word is just such, so abused. She said, we are currently pursuing all of our available legal options. However, I know that as long as I am in Congress, we'll live fearful of what might come next. Well, you wouldn't have to live fearful if there wasn't something out there that you know is out there that you don't want to suddenly come to light. She added that she could no longer allow friends and supporters to, quote, suffer this unprecedented brand of cruelty. No, 
the cruelty is directed at you, evidently, not mm-hmm. your friend, not friend or your supporters. Uh, Hill's estranged husband, Kenny Heslop, couldn't immediately be reached for comment. According to court documents obtained by CNBC, the two were married for nine years before Heslop filed for divorce in Los Angeles in July, one month after he said she told him she was leaving him. She took their only operable vehicle and left me stranded at our resident, Hillsup said. It sounds like a country western song, doesn't it? I know, it? yeah, it does. You don't even know my name. <laughs> uh, Hillsup also claimed that he got multiple jobs at the organization where Hill had worked because of her influence. He said he lost one of those jobs because Hill's employer was concerned about nepotism and how it looked that she was my boss. Last week, Hill apologized after admitting that she had a consensual but inappropriate relationship with another woman on her campaign. But she denied that she had had an affair with a congressional staff member. I know that even a consensual relationship with a subordinate is inappropriate, but I still allowed it to happen despite my better judgment. For that, I apologize, Hill said. Hill, who was the executive director of a homeless services organization before her election, is the freshman class co-representative to the Democratic caucus leadership meetings. In a statement Sunday, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said Hill, quote, made a great contribution as a leader of the freshman class. She's acknowledged errors in judgment that made her continued service as a member untenable. We must ensure a climate of integrity and dignity in the Congress and in all workplaces. Oh, that means they squeezed her out. There you go. Yeah, that, Right there, that last line they that told you told her, you got to go. Yeah, they squeezed her out. I didn't realize Girl, that. you got to go. I didn't realize that. Because we don't want the rest of this to get out. Right. You know that you're bisexual and all the rest of it, allegedly, uh, that uh, the pictures show that are out there. And by the way, the picture that was uh, on Red State, had everything blurred, so there's not like you saw anything uh, about the woman other than that you could tell she didn't have clothes on and that this uh, female worker was allowing her to brush her hair. Mm. And then they had pictures of them kissing mm. with clothes on. Mm-hmm. Just, so, just so you know, I'm just telling mm-hmm. you it's mm-hmm. all out there, and uh, because of it, uh, well, she knows she won't get reelected at all, and she's got to run for reelection next year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the Democrats are forcing her out because better for her to go than for uh, her to stay, and they can't put in the person they'd really like who they think would have a a definite chance of winning that right. office seat. See, Gabbard said that she's done. She's not going to run again. Is that right? Yeah. There's a lot of oh, that's right. I did. There's a lot of rumors well, out saying that she didn't have a chance to get reelected I don't know. Yeah. and all of that. I, I think that that is overblown. Uh, I, you know, I certainly don't know Hawaii politics, but well, I know Democrat politics, right. and I tell you what, she made a lot of enemies with some of the things that she's been saying in the last couple of weeks. It's absolutely disgusting what Hillary Clinton. She is so off her rocker. She is so unhinged. It's remarkable. Tulsi Gabbard, Jill Stein, they're Russian agents now? No, oh, yeah. I mean, it's delusional. Yeah, because they got behind Sanders right. instead of Hillary. Right. They're delusional. And apparently there's a story that Hillary's crew early years ago said, oh, Tulsi, if you back 
Bernie, we're going to come after you. We're going to burn down your career. That's right. They basically That's saying. right. And we know that about the, the Clintons. They're yeah, vicious. they don't forget. Well, and, and they're vicious, mm-hmm. and and they they're underhanded uh, when it comes to political enemies. So please, let's not let's not kid ourselves here. And and now she's a Russian agent. That's what it's it's just such wingnut. It's so easy. It's all. It's so easy for them to say, "See, Russian collusion." Yeah. But it undermines, right? It's like when the clock sure. rings thirteen o'clock. Well, wait a second. There is no thirteen o'clock. Maybe other, every other time it rang, it wasn't accurate as well. It's like being back in the late sixties and seventies and being called a racist. Well, That's they do it they, now. You know, they well, do yeah, it now. But it doesn't. It doesn't have the same oomph. Uh, well, that because, you said, because but, conservatives started calling them out. But you're a Russian yeah. agent? Right. Now, well, that, that this is, I have some. The, the, the race baiting uh, has lost some of its potency because it's so transparently false mm-hmm. often. Yeah. So they, what have they done? They've gone back to red baiting. Yeah. That's, what it, that's what occurred before the race baiting. Now they're red baiting. Yeah, they're doing McCarthy. They're McCarthy. Yeah, absolutely. All right, a break. we got to get a final break in then. Robert and I will be back. We got another hour. Still got a lot of things to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Did you did you hear this one, uh, Robert? That uh, they're now saying that uh, in an impeachment trial in the Senate, President Trump would look up to see one of his Washington establishment foes, Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts, presiding over the historic proceedings from the dais in the upper chamber. Mr. Trump clashed with Chief Justice Roberts over the perceived political bias of the federal courts and would have to count on him for a fair hearing when the fate of his presidency hangs in the balance. It's a prospect that has caused rumblings in Washington that the Chief Justice should recuse himself. Said John Cardillo, there is already a crisis of confidence among the American people that we have a fair system of justice. When you have a chief justice of the Supreme Court overtly making comments that are derogatory to the president of the United States, take all speculation out of the process, he said. Your thought? He won't recuse himself. I don't think he would. I don't Personally, no. I don't think it's been that bad between them no. to force that. No. Now, if it was Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that would be a different story. Yeah, she made some specific comments. Yeah, directly too. Yeah. But... Um, no, he won't recuse himself. Isn't it funny, all these stories that are out there and they're written by Democrat operatives, all saying that, well, this came out and that's coming out, and because of that, you know, the days of President Trump are are, are being lessened. He's, he's, they're going to get him. And, I, and then I look at who writes it, and they're like a big donor or something, to the Democrats and stuff, and they're reading a, writing a private op-ed to the the New York Times. Folks, you got to take that stuff with a grain of salt. Right? They're just they're trying to force that narrative to become a reality. That's, that's right. what they're trying to do. That's exactly what they're doing. That that's what they're trying to do. So just just keep keep that in mind. That's don't exactly it, what they're trying don't to let do. Let it freak you out. Although well, I that's the thing, as does. I was describing earlier, Dave, how Jake Tapper was 
face melting on Sunday morning news because the president was interrupting his TV show. I'm sorry, Jake. I'm sorry that the schedule doesn't fit your needs. But we don't want to hear you whine on national television that the president kept you waiting either from last night to this morning or that he's 15 minutes late than what you had predicted and what I think the White House said roughly indicated was a time at which he would be coming out. They said apparently 9 a.m. Eastern. And he came out about a quarter after. Yeah, suck it up. Suck it up. Jake Tapper, all of a sudden the timekeeper of the world. All right. When we come back, we got to take a break for news. I know everything we talk about on this show is news, all right? That's right. We help make news here. We report it, and a lot of the stuff we report, you don't hear anywhere else because nobody else got the cojones to talk about it. Uh, UFOs across the United States could be Space Force craft built from secret military budget. Hmm. We will talk about that when we come back. I think it's possible. I mean, the B-2 bomber, that's probably those V-shaped lights you saw fly over Phoenix because they were flying around there. And nobody was going to tell you that's what it was because we didn't want our enemies to know about it. So relax. People aren't flying across the galaxy to come here to give anybody an anal probe. I'm just telling you. It's just not happening. All right. A break. We'll be back with more. Robert Steinbach, along with Dave Ellswick, here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. story, Robert. By the way, Robert yes, Steinbach, who is from uh, the Bowen School of Law, his opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the UALR or the Bowen School of Law, but they should be. All right, let's continue. 
Uh, Bruce Gagnon, who is the co-founder and coordinator of the Global Network Against Weapons and Nuclear Power in Space, believes that a lot of these uh, footages that were seen of mystery crafts over the U.S. are evidence that the United States Air Force is testing craft for the 6th branch of the military, which that is, of course, the Space Force. In an exclusive chat, Bruce claims such craft could very well be a new form of Space Force craft that is funded by a secret budget. Quote, I think it's possible. Anything is possible. Anything's possible. Uh, I think it's possible. I spoke about the secret military budget, the black budget, and the development of advanced technologies, and it is possible that some of these so-called crafts are these new technologies. He went on, it's only speculation, Mm -hmm. CYA there, but I think it's conceivable, and I think that it's possible. I'm sure they're testing technologies for space warfare that we can't even imagine, that that I know for sure. Bruce said he attended a space militarization peace talk where the speaker released a photo of the Northrop Grumman Grumman, B-21 Raider. Mm -hmm. The campaigner claimed that it looked like something from outer space. Mm. He has previously told this site the United States Air Force is creating a a new generation of space soldiers by indoctrinating kids. Okay. I'm not sure I buy that. The United States Space Force, the USSF, is the proposed space warfare service branch of the United States Armed Forces, which is intended to have control over military space operations. It would be the sixth branch of the United States Armed Forces and the eighth U.S. Uniform Service. If established, it would be organized as a military service branch within the Department of the Air Force, one of the three military departments within the Department of Defense. In the past, triangular crafts, unquote, have been recorded by the International Space Station live feed hovering over Earth leading viewers to believe these are U.S. Space Force ships. Or somebody else's. No, or Russians, maybe. Or somebody else's. No, no. Yeah, or somebody, (laughs) you know, they came light years across to stop and pick up somebody in a trailer park. That's right. What can I say? Now, I I do have a very, I'm very interested in the X-37B space plane. That's been kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, It landed after more than two years in orbit. uh, And uh, this unmanned X-37B space plane landed at the Kennedy Space Center in Florida Sunday, wrapping up a record 780 days in orbit, according to the U.S. Air Force, The mission broke the mysterious plane's own record by spending more than two years in space. Mm -hmm. The X-37B continues to demonstrate the importance of a reusable space plane, said the Secretary of the Air Force, Barbara Barrett. Altogether, the program, which has at least two of the reusable planes, has logged 2,865 days in space over the course of five missions, 
the Air Force said. The fifth mission launched on September 7th of 2017 aboard a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket. Uh, the Boeing built uh, the space planes. They resemble a smaller version of NASA space shuttles. Now, seems like to me that something like that might be up there sucking up radiation and stuff to see how much radiation an astronaut would have to be able to endure mm-hmm. in a space, a long distance space flight. And yeah. since they're talking about going to the moon and then turning around and from there heading off to Mars by 2030s, they're going to have to know that stuff. That's right. If you're, if the body can't handle it, then it changes the whole complexity of traveling to other planets. Somewhat tangentially related. Did we talk about that movie with Brad Pitt? Yeah. yeah. Ad Astra. Ad Astra. Yeah. Which you thought was absolutely terrible. Awful. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> awful. Uh, Did I tell you that I, I said to uh, someone over at school, I said, oh, it's just, it just a bunch of close-ups on Brad Pitt. And I was telling this to a woman, and her response was, well, isn't that enough? Yeah, I was isn't like, well, that enough? A, that's yeah. a good line, I got to tell you. Yeah. So check this out. Before, yeah. Because the program is classified, and believe me, I've dealt with that a lot. In the, when I was in the military, yeah, sure. if, I was not over, if I was overseas, I worked with Armed Forces Radio and Television. Now American Forces Radio and Television because they didn't want they, want, they want people not to think that they shoot if necessary. They will shoot if necessary. Uh, but when you're back here in the States, I'm like every other public affairs person. My job is to deal with the media on Air Force bases with generals and things mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm, nature, mm-hmm. make sure they don't say something stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Air Force reveals few details about the exact nature of the experiments. This latest mission hosted the, are you ready for this? The government, such an interesting way with words. The Air Force Research Laboratory Advanced Structurally Embedded Thermal Spreader. Oh, my gosh. A thermal, what the heck is a thermal spreader? Oh I think God. they I don't were spreading know. something, oh, but I don't, I don't want know. To know. I don't know. I don't know how it thermal it sounds like it a was. giant speculum, if you ask me. An experiment designed to quote test experimental electronics and oscillating heat pipe technologies in the long duration space environment. So I was pretty close. Why they're, you understood the explanation? Yeah, well, they're trying to make sure that if we send somebody to Mars and it takes you, I don't know how long it takes, let's say it takes you a year and a half to get there, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, the water that you drink and all of that, are you able to keep it from absorbing too much radiation mm-hmm. and stuff? Mm-hmm. So, interesting. They they got a lot of stuff they got to they gotta test, and bottom line, they keep it top secret, not because they don't want to tell you, they don't want to tell the bad guys. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the way Clinton and Obama allowed the Chinese to get our stuff, they probably know already. Well, they gave to the Clinton Foundation. That was more important <laughs> to them than it was <laughs> to ensure national security. That's probably I mean, come true. It's really true. Now, this is something. This is from the New York Post. It's supposed like 
A rag? It's a bit of a tabloid. It's okay. not, I wouldn't call it a rag, but it's literally a tabloid, meaning it's not the full-size paper. It's a smaller paper. America's love of drugs may soon bring Mexico's collapse. How's that? Well, let me read this to you. You tell me what you think about it. Buy an avocado boosts the Mexican drug lord soon enough, it seems. Reports from south of the border say Mexican avocado farmers are taking up arms to protect their increasingly valuable crop from the country's cartels, always on the lookout for a quick buck. But considering the ease with which cartel gunmen dispatched the Mexican army in a pitched battle in, uh, what is that state where they grow all the marijuana at? Sinaloa? Don't know. S-I-N-A-L-O-A, is that correct? Sounds good, I don't know. Sinaloa. Okay, Sinaloa. One would guess that the odds don't favor the avocado farmers. Right. Or Mexico itself, for that matter, and this has ominous implications for the U.S., Flush North Americans think millennials in particular love avocados. They will pay top dollar for them, which sets the market into motion. Most often this means good things, but not always. As with avocados, drug dollars follow demand. A recent RAND Corporation study reports that Americans spent just shy. You wonder why we have a drug war? Uh, it's because Americans spend $150 billion on illegal narcotics. Mm-hmm. Latest. That's the latest that they know from 2016, three years ago. It's more than that now. Mm-hmm. The bulk of this money goes to Mexico, which also has become a major conduit into the United States for synthetic opioids like Chinese-manufactured fentanyl, upping the cartel's take. Americans, in other words, love their illegal chemicals. They have... They're ready cash to indulge themselves, and they are not particularly mindful of the consequences of this for others. Hence, the emergence of the Mexican drug cartels, not the sole supplier of the American drug market, but pretty much at the top of the list. Mexico's fragile political institutions and its long history of corruption in their local governments made it fertile territory for the rise of extra-legal quasi-governments. The recently concluded U.S. federal trial of Guzman El Chapo in the headlines revealed the extent to which the cartel he once headed has has put themselves itself into Mexico's power structure. Guzman is in U.S. federal prison now, presumably for life, but the cartel is chugging along. On the small end of the scale is a gunman who are are cornering the avocado trade, while on the other, the organization is one of the globe's major players in illegal drugs, other organized crime, and money launderings. It's not to be trifled with, as the Mexican Army discovered this month, when it took two of Guzman's sons into custody, igniting an eight-hour battle with these gunmen in the city uh, in one of their cities, the gun battle ended with a uh, surrender of government troops and the release of the uh, prisoners. I mean, we've known that the Zetas were basically ex-military right. special forces from Mexico running that cartel. The Mexican president explained, many people were at risk. It was decided to protect people's lives. I agreed with that. He seemed not to have had much choice. It also seems that the matter of who controls the Mexican state effectively was resolved in armed conflict, and it wasn't 
the Mexican government. The implications of this are obvious. Mexico just failed a fundamental test of government legitimacy. It is either unable or unwilling to protect its citizens from organized lawlessness. The avocado farmers, of course, already knew that. And this, in turn, ratifies a warning from U.S. Joint Forces Command that Mexico is slipping toward national collapse, and this was before government troops were losing all out gun battles with criminals. So what happens is cartels take over and the Mexican government collapses. That's not a good thing to happen on our border. No, sir. But that's why we need to secure the border, by the way. That's not the reason, the only reason why, but the, it demonstrates that we need to have a secure border. And the lefties, of course, want effectively open borders. Did you hear Elizabeth Warren apparently made some claim that if you are transgender and you're coming across the border illegally, they should give you special attention so that you can pursue a transition, gender reassignment surgery? So we should be paying for the gender reassignment of illegal immigrants as well. illegal immigrants. Right. Okay. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Just kind of think about that for a moment. Right. Let it percolate in your mind. Right. Right. We got to take a break and we'll come back in and talk about it. Phone mm-hmm. lines, by the way, is open. 823-0965. 823-0965. How can you take any of these Democrat candidates seriously? I don't know. I don't know. How can you take them seriously? I mean, look, even if you hate. I'm going to hold it until I come back. Right. Because I've got to take my break. We'll be back. It's Robert and myself here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. So you look at the Democrats that are out there saying for the millennials benefit that they hope to get their votes. Right. They just won't leave their video games in the basement of their parents long enough to cast the vote. But did you hear Joe Biden said the other day in an interview, he goes, well, the people that really vote are over, I think, 50. So he's shooting for the old folks. I guess. Of course, he has no money either. I mean, what is there not to like about Trump? Here, this is, let me just. Go ahead. Give my case. Go ahead. Four million jobs created since the election. More Americans now employed than ever recorded before in our history. Um. 400,000 manufacturing jobs since Trump's election. Manufacturing jobs growing at the fastest rate in more than 30 years. Economic growth last quarter hit 4.2%. New unemployment claims recently hit a 49-year low. Median household income has hit highest level ever recorded. African-American unemployment has recently achieved the lowest rate ever recorded. Hispanic American unemployment is at the lowest rate ever recorded. Asian American unemployment recently achieved the lowest rate ever recorded. Women's unemployment recently reached the lowest rate in 65 years. Youth unemployment has recently hit the lowest rate in nearly half a century. Lowest unemployment rate ever recorded for Americans without a high school diploma. Under the Trump administration, veterans' unemployment recently reached its lowest rate in nearly 20 years. Almost 3.9 million Americans have been lifted off food stamps. The pledge to America's workers has resulted in in employers committing to train more than 4 million Americans. 
95% of U.S. manufacturers are optimistic about the future. Retail sales surged uh, over several months, up another 6% over last year. Signed the biggest package of tax cuts and reforms in history. As a result of the tax bill, small business will have the lowest top marginal tax rate in more than 80 years. Um, opened Anwar, approved Keystone XL and Dakota Access Pipelines, recorded number of regulations uh, eliminated and enacted regulatory relief for community banks and credit unions. The uh, Obamacare individual mandate penalty gone. The president's administration is providing more affordable health care options for Americans through association health plans and short-term duration plans. Last month, the FDA approved more affordable generic drugs than ever before in history. I'll just stop there. I mean, I can go on and on here. Right. And people don't like him because he speaks the way he speaks and acts the way he does. No, to be fair, the... Democrats don't want conservative judges making conservative interpretation of the law. The Democrats don't want judges who are willing to say that the Roe versus Wade decision is um, didn't age well. Uh, they they don't want judges. It was a piece of crap decision at the beginning, right? But the Democrats like the outcome. The Democrats don't didn't want judges who would vote um, against. Uh, a constitutional right to gay marriage, as we've discussed on your show before, Dave. Yeah. I don't think there's any constitutional right to any marriage. Yeah. So it's not gay marriage or straight marriage. I don't think there's any constitutional right to any form of marriage. And that's the other thing. The left wants judges who pursue political ends. And conservatives have the view, correctly, by the way, that the the Constitution doesn't speak to a whole host of issues. So the only way to resolve a political issue is through the political process, enact the law. And if somebody wants to change it five years down the road, they enact a new law. And the Constitution doesn't speak to many, many things that people want. But politicians don't want to make law right. because then they're responsible they're the for the vote that exactly. they cast. And so that's why the left tries to use the courts that's to right. achieve political goals. It's not cons- our fault. It's right. the courts. That's right. And Liberal judges are all too happy to take them up on that. Yeah. And conservative judges say, well, it's not our job to make policy. We interpret the law. And if there's no law out there, well, then there's no rule. Do what you want or don't do it, whatever. I mean, let's face it. The reason millennials uh, don't really like Trump is that he's not he's not promising to pay for their uh, college uh, loans. That's part of it, yeah. And, and, and he's not offering free college to them and god knows whatever else that they're uh, saying medicare for all and everything else that the democrats are saying that they can pay for which if you'll just take a few moments and think about it they can't can't, well of course they can't afford it that's why elizabeth warren refused to answer when pressed by so many people are are you going to raise taxes on the middle class because costs are going to come down and chris what's a guy from msnbc i always forget his last name chris matthews says that's not my question. Are, are, are taxes going to go up? She wouldn't answer. Of course not. She knows they will, but right. it's death to say they will. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, again, I, I, you know, I kind of rest my case. This president has done a lot of good things, and we haven't even gotten to, you know, 
the people that the, the terrorists that he's killed, you know, Osama bin Laden's son, who's a terrorist, and now, you know, Baghdadi kills him and he's killed some others. You know, the military have done their jobs under him because he lets them do their jobs. So well, of course, I'm all about it. There's no dispute that the takedown of ISIS uh, was President Trump. Right. Absolutely. Right. No, 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 no argument. You can't get an argument That's from right. the left on it. They can try to argue, argue it. But here, here's the key. Red lines in the sand do not ISIS kill. That's right. That's right. You got to go in and. And just, they use massive air power at first Mm -hmm. to take care of that. Mm -hmm. Did a good job. Yeah. Did a really good job. Had them on the run for a long time. Ran them out of all those cities. Cities that we fought, like in Iraq, that we fought for. Right. And and won. And then Obama let them be taken over by, you know, those killers. Then we had to go back in and take them back again. Losing American lives once again. But that's not... Don't don't think that Obama's the only one that ever did that. I mean, Johnson, Lyndon Johnson, it was absolutely terrible under his command during Vietnam. Right. Take a hill and Give leave it, back. it right. and let the Vietnamese take it over again. Right. It's, it's pretty crazy. War is an ugly thing, especially when politicians get involved. That's right. That's right. If they just let the generals take care of it, probably would be a lot better. I'm not saying it would be without problems. Just saying when the the fog of war happens, bad things happen. And I am more interventionist than I think the president is. But with that said... You're more interventionist than I am. That's probably right. But with that said, how do you have a war going on for 15 years? You're doing something You're talking about Afghanistan? Afghanistan. That's 18 years now. Right, I know. I'm just rounding. Uh, And, and, uh, I mean, it's so, you know, I mean, maybe that's the answer. You rounded down. Right, but, right. But, you know, the the fact is that if if you can round off the number of years of a war, maybe it's too long of a war. That's one thing to say you're leaving some sort of force behind. That's because we're not doing what we should be doing. Right, exactly. And, you know, if if you're still calling it a war and you have... Large amounts of troops there, you're not fighting it right. Now, I, this is not the case with Afghanistan, but maybe it's a war you can't win, then you pull out as well. But that's not the case here. You're not fighting a war right right if it takes you 18 years and you're still fighting it. And so that's when politicians are involved in fighting wars. And if you let the military fight it with instructions from the elected officials, they'll get it done well, quickly. here's what... The military, I believe, if you really talk to them, will say, because I hear it from, you know, my son, my um, son-in-law and others who have been there, that they may be able to protect the populous areas right. of Afghanistan. You get into those mountainous regions. Forget about tell it. To where a bore and on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could have happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what happens, you know, during the winter. The Taliban goes up there and hangs out. Then during the springtime, fighting starts again. Right. They come down and start fighting again. Right. That's just the way, it, right. the way it's working. Right. You know? Now, that's the question. Have we been there long enough that uh, the Afghanis should be able to run their own country and have a military that can protect their government? I think 18 years is enough. Right. Right. And that's my point. 
I, I don't know what it means to be at war for 18 years other than you're not doing something right. And again, I, I don't have a problem with leaving some force behind, but not it's not a war any longer. It nope. shouldn't be. And if it and if you're still calling it a war, you're still treating it like a war, then you're doing something wrong. Do you know Colonel Conrad Reynolds? No. Never met him? No. From Conway? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in Virginia working right now. But the bottom line is I asked him on the air here about that, and he said that Afghanistan is like taking your hand and plunging it into a bucket full of water and pulling it out and expecting to see some kind of form. Right. Right. It ain't going to happen. Right. So why are we spending spending right. our country's treasure yeah. on that? Yeah. And, and it's one thing to do what we did in Afghanistan when we took out the Russians and just run away, uh, as they described in Charlie Wilson's War. But I actually think there was something wrong with the message of that movie, Charlie Wilson's War, which was, we need to stay in there and build up the schools and the roads, et cetera. I'm not saying you don't do a little bit of support. That's winning the hearts and minds, of mm-hmm. course. But we're not in the build up a 8th century country to the modern world while here in the States we got crumbling bridges and roads. That's right. Sorry. I agree with that wholeheartedly. So we go in there. We take out the Taliban. Uh, we build up a few little things. We leave a force behind. And we monitor things. And if we have to go back in, we go back in. If we don't, we don't. That's what I, you and I have talked about. That's right. This. That's right. And if the Taliban, if we pulled out and the Taliban started to take back over again. Right. You go back letting in. Letting other people start up, uh, you know, like Al-Qaeda, start right. up training camps and stuff. Then we go back and we bomb them into, we take their rocks and make them into even smaller rocks. That's right. And we can do that. That's right. We can find them. We can send in somebody, go in and lay the laser point, paint down, and boom. Right. They're done. Finished. Right. Through. And then you don't have to worry about losing hundreds of men. That's right. Or spending trillions of dollars. Not saying you're not going to spend some millions of dollars, but a million dollars now is not like a million dollars back in the 60s. That's right. So, you know, let the military go in and do what they got to do. At, uh, they should have specified missions, complete them, and then leave. Right. That's right. I'm with that. Yep. I'm with that. But let's yep. just make sure that whatever right. we're doing is in our national best interest. Exactly. What we should do. So I guess you and I are closer than when we think. Could be. <laughs> I'm just looking at Robert. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said, maybe so. I don't know. You didn't. You, let's talk about this part of it. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people think that I, I'm i a, a, a warmonger. I'm not a warmonger. No. I just think if the military is called upon by the president of the United States to do something, they should be allowed to go in and do it. Let them do their job. Yes. To their best, uh, you know, abilities. I mean, uh, that's what the, you know, that's what they're, what the military's all about. About bombing and shooting and breaking things. I mean, that's, Russ used to say that all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more. Being a former military person, that's what you're taught to do. Even when you're, 
you know, Armed Forces Radio. Right, but this is the left. You, learn, right? you use the guns just like everybody else does. The, the left wants to be involved in everything, right? This is, the, mm-hmm. we, we've talked about this, that the paradox of the left and the paradox of the elite is that they believe because they know some things that they know everything. When and they usually know nothing. Right. And That's what oh, Reagan used to see. What is it? Well, Our friends say they know so much when they really know so little. Yeah. And I agree with it. So they want to, and of course, war is icky, Right. And so they, it's not th- pretty, right? And so they want to come in and do it their way, and th- then it all will be good. But of course, yeah, that's, go in and right. go in and fight them. But you know what? You got to make sure that guy that exactly. has that gun and he's pointing it at you. Make sure he's your enemy. That's right. Here's my answer. Yeah. If he's pointing a gun that's at right. me, he is my enemy. That's right. Period. And that's the problem. And. That when you see politicians fight wars, that's why you see them gr- grind to a halt. Of course, we saw that in Vietnam. We saw that under, oh, by the way, under oh, yeah. both Johnson and Ken- and um, Nixon. So it, it it happens in both parties. Okay, so we're going to have to get a break in here. Yeah. In the last segment, let's talk about this. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said today, the House will vote this week on a resolu- resolution to formalize and establish the parameters of the Trump impeachment inquiry. Right. Again, not on impeachment, right. the impeachment inquiry. Right. But wait, what isn't, isn't that what the Republicans have been saying all along, that you need to establish procedures and you need to take a vote on it? No, we don't. No, we don't. Wait. Now, the, now they're getting bad press because they're doing everything in secret and they're not following any principal set of rules. And now all of a sudden, oh, well, you know what? Maybe we will. Good, by the way. Good. And everybody's got to pony up and vote. Okay, it says, in a letter sent to Democratic House lawmakers, Pelosi said the resolution, quote, affirms the ongoing existing investigation, which is illegal, and establishment establishes the procedure for future investigative steps. We are taking this step to eliminate any doubt as to whether the Trump administration may withhold documents prevent witness testimony, disregard duly authorized subpoenas, or continue obstructing the House of Representatives. Fox News says they've learned the vote will take place Thursday on the House floor. It is not an actual article of impeachment, but rather a resolution that sets process ground rules. Mm -hmm. Look, Nancy is going to hold out for as long as she can before she makes any of these Democrats that are in hot purple districts say how they feel about whether to impeach this president or not. But this is still, this is a capitulation on the issue of process where they should have followed this process from the very beginning. Excuse me, Republicans have been saying this all along. Now, the president, by the way, says, I don't care about the process. I want to fight on the substance. And I think he's right. I think... It's exactly what you said, Dave. Make the Dems put down a vote on what they, whether they are. What do you got? That's right. Are you impeaching? Put it out in front of the American public and open the damn hearings up so that, remember when Watergate happened, for you who remember Watergate, it was on television every freaking day. 
And then when Clinton was impeached, it was on C-SPAN, Fox, and NBC and some uh, MSNBC or whatever right. on the on cable. Uh, now it's down in the basement uh, in the Spanish Inquisition war room. That's right. Just saying. Right. You right. don't know. You don't know. I don't know what is being said. All these little leaks come out and say this person said this. This person, and then a Republican sends up to. I was in that meeting, and they didn't say anything such like that. Right. Exactly. That's how they're controlling the narrative right now. That's right. Let, I mean, come on, let's get it out in the open. Yeah, absolutely. But, of course, the, the Democrats don't want to do that because what is sunlight? It's the best disinfected That's right. for uh, people that are corrupt. That's and right. there's a lot of corruption with, uh, you know, Schiff and, and uh, Pelosi and all of them over there. That's exactly right. All right. I've said enough. Let's take a break. We'll be back. we got more to talk about. Are they going to have open hearings like that? They're not going to do it. They don't want you to really know what's happening. We'll take a break here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, Microsoft shares touched a record high today after the tech giant was awarded a Pentagon cloud computing contract. Yeah, I read about that. Worth ten billion dollars wow. they uh they they got to past uh, bezos company right amazon yeah shares rallied as much as three and a half percent to a high of 145.67 apiece before pairing their gains i quote this contract will address critical and urgent unmet warfighter requirements for modern cloud infrastructure at all three classification levels excuse me, delivered out to the tactical edge, the Pentagon said in the press release. I don't know what that means. Neither do I. I have no idea what that means. The Department of Defense says the Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure System Contract, or known as JEDI, will help the U.S. government store and process classified data, allowing the armed forces to use AI to enhance its planning and fighting capabilities, the contract has a base period of two years and a $1 million uh, guarantee. Wow. Wow. It's got to be more than a million. Yeah, I would think that. Oh. I think that's it's more than that. Yeah. The way they said that. So, Burger King had on their last... Uh, what uh, what do you call it? Time that they measure a five percent increase in sales because of their their fake burger. Oh, yeah? burger. oh interesting. Have you tried it? I have not. Have yeah. you? I haven't. I'd be I'd be happy to, but apparently it's got more fat than the than beef a, does. than a real burger right. does. Yes. So I'm, I'm not, the only reason to have something that's not a burger in my mind is to reduce the fat. Besides. And Burger King's fine, McDonald's fine, but I go, and I'm not trying to make a pitch, but I go to David's Burgers. Have you eaten David's Burgers? Yeah. There's no comparison. I love David's well, Burgers. Well, it's fresh meat. They show you the meat right up it's there. It's fresh the, fries. The, right, the fresh fries. And and the you, and in all seriousness, you know the fries don't have any, they quite literally have no chemicals in them, because after 15 minutes, they're they're all kind of cold and whatever, yeah. meaning they're not great. They're hot, they're fantastic. What's the point? 
because they're fresh. They take potatoes, they slice them, and they got them. So, well, you might say, well, that's not very good. Yeah, they just keep bringing them, though. They'll eat, they take away the cold ones and bring you new hot ones. So I've got kind of spoiled. Now, I eat the chicken burger there. Have you ever had the chicken burger, Dave? It's fantastic. I love it. In fact, yeah. instead of buying the burger, right. I get that chicken steak. That's what I get. Whew. Yeah, that's, that's what I get. Yeah, that's good stuff. I love it. It's absolutely Got terrific. A great taste of it. I, I'd hate to see what the sodium content is. Because oh, yeah. you Who can knows? taste yeah. the yeah. salt they, in that But baby. you can tell them to spice it less, too, by the way. No, can you? Yeah, they okay. do that on the spot. You know that the guy that runs, they have about 10 locations now, all in the central Arkansas area. And the guy that, the owner is a former student of mine and a, and a graduate, therefore, perhaps obviously, of the Bowen School of Law, Alan Bubbis. Good for him. And, you know, to, to give equal uh, compliments, uh, one of the folks, uh, one of the Keat brothers, uh, it's two Keat brothers and a, and, and a Keat father who run the Tzatziki chain, Tzatziki's chain, uh, Tommy Keat, uh, is also a graduate of the Bowen School of now, Law. I like uh, the Keats. I yeah. Like, uh, the old man, of course, ran for ran governor. Ran for governor, exactly. He he didn't have a chance. He ran against BB. Right, because he ran against BB, and, unfortunately. And he, he ran because he was asked to That's run, right. and That's he right. did. That's right. I liked him a lot. Oh, he was he great. Had, he I had voted some for great, him, obviously. He had some really good ideas. Absolutely. And, and I voted for him uh, as well. Yeah. And uh, he's a good guy. I should try Very to get good. him on the show. He'd be yeah. fun to have in here. He would be. That's talk, a good idea. Jim Keith. That's right. You know, with us. That's be a lot right. of fun. They have the tzatzikis. They got that. They got that fancier place, Petit and Keat. Have you ever eaten up there? Yeah. No, that, where's that at? That's over by. Um, oh, what's what's the, what's the name? Uh, uh, the Frankies out west. You know where the Frankies out yeah, west is? Out there on uh, Rodney Perry. Yeah. Okay. R- right, right in that area where the, all those little it's shops right in are. There, huh? That's right. And I that's a, give really, it a try. Oh yeah, that's a really good. That's a kind of high end, and they have a very nice brunch we as well. Have, you should have been here on Thursday. Not Thursday, last week. What what day was it? Wednesday of last week that uh, All Aboard came in. That was oh, Friday, nice. I think. No, it wasn't Friday. It was Wednesday. It was after Joe and Duck. Really? Okay. Yeah, and then he came He came in. Vince came in. I haven't been there yet. I've heard. It's you've told good. Me, you yeah, gotta have, you've told me it's You need good. to have the, uh, the, uh, the chili. The sweet chili? Sweet chili. With yeah. The shrimp. Uh, shrimp. Oh. Yeah. I don't eat shrimp. That. Well, you, oh, that's right. You're Jewish. I, <laughs> right. I apologize. That's all right. No, remember it's that. Right. Uh, but uh, you get you get their uh, have the uh, the chili. Yeah. And it's it's uh, venison. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Or turkey. It's turkey. I oh, take that back. It's turkey. turkey. I make that's how I make chili. With, it's really with turkey. Good. Yeah. It's made with turkey. Yeah. Uh, he brought in. Uh, Zach had the uh, buffalo. Buffalo chicken, chicken sandwich. Chicken sandwich. Nice. It was so good. Yeah, he liked it. It was you so know, good. good. Pepper jack cheese. Mm. Nice. Yeah, they try to bring you a, a family dining experience that is healthy. Yeah. And they yeah. do a pretty good job of yeah. it. You want a train? I'll give you a train to take home. A train? Sure. Yeah, see, look. What? What do you got? Oh, there you go. You give I you love a train it. for all aboard there. I like it. There you go. I like it. <laughs> I'm keeping it. I'm not giving them back. You can have it. There you You'd go. You'd be happy to have it. I got there more of them. But, uh, yeah, that, I'm just saying that they were really, they're really, really good. That's as terrific. Well. Have you gone over to Trader Joe's yet? I haven't been there yet, but I'm I'm going to. I'm, I got to get fan. over just to see some of the things that they got in yeah, there. Yeah, I'm a fan of Trader Joe's. Okay. Yeah. 
So you've lived somewhere where they oh, had Oh, yeah, one? in New York, when I was staying with my mother, and, of course, when I I don't know if when I grew up, actually, they had it, but when I would visit my mother in New York, they have it. Okay, well, I'm going to go over just it's, to check it out, but I'm going to let the, the big crowds right. no, calm they have, down. They have cool stuff. Because they've been big crowds over there. Yeah. They want to get into all that. And I'll go over a couple of weeks before Christmas. Yeah. Just because I'm, I'll have a little get-together. You'll be invited. Thank you. Zach will be invited. Well, Chris, then I'm not coming. I'm Chris, just joking. Zach. Yeah, Chris will be invited. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll, we'll get over there, and the four of us can just look at each other. Exactly. Thanks for coming, Robert. Thank you, brother. Robert Steinbeck from over at UALR. Remember, his opinion and his opinion only. Yep. I'm Dave Ellswick. Tomorrow, the power panel's in, as well as the Bible guys. Bible guys at SalemLR.com for your questions. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.